they are coming. Coming for us all. Unstoppable force of men forged into iron with their fires and machinery of war. Driven before them are those who betray everything beyond their greed, hate, and anger. Do you betray everything and decide to free your hide? Or will you take your best and stand for the fight? Fight for your life, for what is dearest to you, for honor and death. Let your name be worthy of you. But remember, the war consumes us all. We're gonna go ahead and begin at the beginning here. We're not saying anyone should be forced to be pro-white. All we're saying is that whether anyone likes it or not, white people have the right to be pro-white. White people have the right to a sense of racial consciousness, racial identity, and racial pride. We have the right to date, to marry white, and to raise our white children to be pro-white. We have the right to love our own people, and to raise our children to love themselves and their people. And above all else, white people have the right to unify, organize, and fight back against the rising tidal wave of anti-white hatred. Don't like it? Too fucking bad. That's your problem, not ours. The anti-white powers that be want you to believe that you don't have a right to be victorious. They want pro-whites to be defeated, broken, and conquered. But we have no intention of surrendering to their intimidation. Pro-white means supporting whites' rights to a collective sense of racial consciousness, identity, and pride. It means supporting whites' rights to pursue self-determination in our collective racial destiny. Whether anyone likes it or not, the white race has a right to be pro-white. White people don't lack in numbers. What we lack is unity. If we can figure out how to unify, organize, and fight back, show's over. We win. Historically speaking, when white people finally say enough is enough, the entire world trembles beneath our collective footsteps. But a kingdom that has once been destroyed can never come again into being, nor can the dead ever be brought back to life.
welcome to the Resolution Radio Network at ResolutionRDO.com. You are listening to the Sonny Thomas Show, and I am your host, Sonny motherfucking T, you whiny ass bitches. If you want to call in and listen now, it's area code 607-203-5423. That's area code 607-203-5423. You can follow us on various social media. You can follow us on Winkin, Getter, Gab, Twitter, and Telegram at Sonny Thomas Show. And uh, Wimkin, Getter, Gab, and Telegram at Resolution RDO. And on Twitter at Resolution RDO and the number one. Um, I'm actually kind of playing with this and don't know how exactly I'm going to be able to utilize it, but I did start a uh, Sonny Thomas Show profile on TikTok. So I know a lot of people view that shit. And I've seen a lot of the metrics from other people using it. I don't like it, but if you know anybody has any good content and can share on how to properly utilize that as something, um, I did see a commercial where someone um, was inspired by a TikTok video or something, and they started making some sort of soap or some shit. I forget what it was, and it's turned into a very successful business in three years to the point where they were actually expanding and was building. Um, a little bit bigger facility, I'm assuming, in the backyard or something. So it was like uh, building a small pole barn to be able to do the volume. So interesting. But like I said, I don't care for TikTok. I know the who, who's using it and everything else, but I know a lot of the younger generation are into it and stuff. So um, I had used YouTube before doing uh, vlogs and stuff, and, and I didn't get very many hits off of that, even though I had a lot of good uh, poignant points on there. And my one main account I got shut down because of music usage. So I ended up using, um, starting a, a second one, which is the same time as show number one. But I really don't use it much. So it's a crying shame. But, you know, that's the problem. I'm trying to use the apparatus as much as I can so that way we can kind of get some information out there and use it while it's available before they shut it right now. So that's the point. So, um, Again, I don't really know how to use it much. I mean, I just now really started learning how to use Telegram a little bit, and I'm learning how to use Wimkin. So, um, again, you go to Wimkin.com slash Resolution Radio, and you'll be able to see the actual page there. So I'm learning how to use the page uh, option there, which is similar to uh, pages on Facebook. But um, I'm still trying to learn some of its limitations. So... That's what we're looking at right now uh, as far as a possibility. Anyway, so we got a lot of things we're going to cover for you today. I have an interview with uh, Alfred and Monica Schaefer, brother and sister. Both of them have uh, spoken out against the, uh, the, 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 the Jews in some form or fashion and um, through videos and got fucked. <laughs> Monica did a, uh, an infamous video where she's like, Mom, I'm sorry, I was wrong about the Holocaust, and uh, basically showed out was basically the Holocaust is uh, bogus, and so they waited till she went to Germany to visit the family and nailed her ass, and she got thrown in jail for ten months. Same with Ursula Haverback, who's been thrown in there what four or five times now. I don't know why the people of Deutschland don't rise up and say, "Hey, this is bullshit." You know, I mean, seriously, it just shows they're still under fucking occupation by the Allied powers. But nevertheless. Um, Alfred Schaefer, who I had actually first encountered through um, another program a few years before I was on with other 
very prominent um, white nationalists and leaders of our movement on there, including David Duke, and um, got a chance to interact with them and stuff a little bit. So I was familiar with who he was, but I didn't put two and two together right away. I found, oh, that's Monica's brother. Oh, okay. So he spent four years in a German prison for posting certain videos on, on, on topics and stuff. And so they felt that was insensitive or question the Holocaust or whatever. So he got in there. So they trying to fuck him again after he's been out for almost two years to make him go in for another six month stretch. So we'll be able to uh, find out all the details behind that and uh, what the bullshit is behind it. But uh, we'll cover that as well. So it's always good to have uh, Monica back on. And if you haven't checked her, uh, checked her out in a while, I had uh, done a show called Krauts of the Round Table where it featured Dennis Wise, Monica Schaefer, and Harold Zieger. And I think we did two particular um, roundtables with, with that lineup. And we had some interesting topics to discuss. So look through ResolutionRDO.com and look those up and watch some good stuff. Um, Monica has actually hosted on the show before, and she will hopefully be hosting again sometime soon. So that's going to be some really good stuff. Okay, so we got some interesting stuff to talk about. Um couple of hot topics. Been to watch any of the GOP debates last night. A lot of people tuned into the uh, Tucker and Trump Twitter thing. And um, record, record, record viewership. Just on that particular thing alone, what was it? A uh, hundred. It was like, I, I think it was at least 103 million views. And in. I want to say maybe 190, but by this morning, from what Alex Jones had said, I think there was over 280 million views of that broadcast, which already beat the number of Trump voters and almost the whole electorate in the United States. So I thought, holy shit. But um, I didn't actually watch it through Fox News, but I watched it through another um, off-site um, so whoever, you know, whatever goes to that. So I think it was streamfeed.com or something. Then I was, so I watched the debates last night. I have to, have to admit it was one of the most lively debates I have seen probably ever. Uh, and interesting is some of the commentary I've seen on the gateway pundit was actually pretty interesting that basically nobody cares about this fucking shit here. These are all low hanging fruit Republican motherfuckers that nobody cares about. And that basically um, one poll said, oh, essentially this is a debate on who's going to eventually be Trump's VP. <laughs> I would probably venture to guess he will not pick any of those fuckers. However, I will say this. Uh, I first encountered his campaign uh, a couple months ago and was watching some of his podcasts. I mentioned on here he has some very interesting points. Is uh, Vivek Ramaswamy. Uh, very interesting talking points. And I've also looked through some of Swag. Some of Swag, he's got, he's got some good, interesting stuff on there. One of them's got the major planks of his platform on the back of the shirts, which I thought was really cool. Um, very similar to what um, Augustus Invictus did when he was uh, running for president uh, in 2020. So he listed the, his planks of his um, campaign on there. So that was pretty cool. I actually bought that shirt. So that's definitely a keepsake. That That's going to be some good shit. I'm hoping to eventually uh, interview Augustus Victus because, in fact, I like to hear some of his opinions. But that being said, uh, clearly, clearly, uh, he stole the show. This guy's a very fast thinker. 
and he really pissed off Chris Christie, and he also pissed off Mike Pence. And so the inter interchanges between those cats was actually very, very interesting. And at some point, she pissed off Nikki Haley. He, he pissed off Nikki Haley because of the simple fact that she doesn't agree with his, his position on Israel. And he basically, he's basically told her to shut up because he basically said, I've been to Israel more, more than anyone else here on this stage. And when I looked up some of his background and stuff, um, it, it's, uh, it made me kind of you know pause a little bit like, well, hold on a minute. You know, well, hold on. But that being said, he says what some Republicans have said, but he straight up said it. Yeah, I like what Israel's done over there. They've, they've got a, ball, the border, a wall all around their fucking borders. They've got a big, huge missile dome. They have a, a complete national and cultural identity. Why don't we have the same? So why can't we do what they're doing? Well, that's because the Jews over here don't want us to do what they're doing over there because they want us to collapse as well because it's part of the plan. Now, I always hear the things about there's good Jews and bad Jews, and it's like, okay, I think there's some general reason for that because obviously uh, Benjamin Friedman, back in the 70s, I think it was, uh, he had kind of come out and was explaining like how the Federal Reserve was fucking started, uh, the Bolsheviks, all that shit. So, I mean, he really spilled the beans on the protocols of the learned elders of Zion. So, you know, they try to say it's just bullshit fucking fictitious document. And, but yet almost all the intended goals in that document have been completed. So, I mean, <laughs> it can't be that fictitious. If you ever read the Talmud, you really know how they feel about you. So, uh, you know, some interesting shit. However, the debates are pretty good. I thought some of the topics were pretty solid. Um, one thing that did disturb me is though, is that one of the criteria for getting on that stage was is that all the candidates had to sign a pledge that they would support the eventual nominee, whoever it may be. Trump has um, he he refused to sign it last time because he said, "Why I'm going to be the nominee?" I mean, he, you got to give the guy some fucking. She's got some bravado, dude, but the guy is no slouch. He's definitely an alpha male. I know what he wants, and he gets he usually gets what he wants generally speaking, but uh, you guys got some tenacity, okay? But that being said, um, several other candidates did not make it onto that stage. Some of them, we wonder if they, if they should have. Well, I mean, really, who's donating to Mike Pence? I think that's everything you need to know because, obviously, he made enough to not, uh, not only qualify for the first debate but also the second already. I'm like, who the fuck is donating to Mike Pence? And, of course, uh, whenever he gets to the point where he, because he's a Catholic, he, he goes and invokes, oh, my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, oh, 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 all the Christians in the crowd just, oh, like, oh, yes, I know. I mean, I mean, just seriously, these Christians are what's destroying this fucking country in many respects, man. That being said, he, 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 when it, when it benefited him, he promoted the, the, uh, the, the accomplishments of the Trump-Pence administration, and then, um, he didn't slam Donald Trump, but he basically said he's going to do things differently. And, of course, he had a way of kind of beating around the bush about it. So, like I said, I wasn't too impressed with it. But, you know, uh, you know, here's the fucking thing is when the Democrat thing was going, we thought Biden at some point would get fucking booted out. Just simple fact that the guy's a loser and, and he's, he's trying to be the moderate and shit like that. And, and uh, for a while, his numbers were really low, but when some of the other candidates dropped off, it bumped his numbers up. So, again, I think he was just riding the storm out because he knew he was going to get the nomination and that he was they were going to steal the presidency. So I think it was pretty obvious. But nevertheless, there were some really good uh, points in there. As a matter of fact, um, 
I'll go to the Gateway Pundit story that I saw that was actually really, really good on this. Oh, yeah, Don Jr. got uh, screwed from being able to enter the spin room. So he got he got fucked right off the bat. It goes to show you everything. That I think are, that's already signed that uh, Fox News, besides fucking ham, I think they're going to try to screw uh, Trump over again. So anyways, uh, Brett Baer has to interrupt debate to tell audience to stop booing Chris Christie. This is pretty fucking good. A heated moment emerged during the first GOP to president debate for the 2024 election held in Milwaukee. Uh, the debate, which was held scheduled from 9-11, Eastern showcased an array of Republican candidates vying for the party's nomination. Monterey by Fox News anchor Brett Baer, which I, I still have to give him some credit, dude. He's still fairly reputable, and I would say he's this generation's Dan Rather, if for lack of a better term. But uh, we were always supposed to think that Chris Wallace was kind of non-biased. Now, I do know that Brett Baer is a bit biased. And I've heard his comments, but generally speaking, he tries to look fairly objective. He doesn't look like he's... You know, a Democrat in fucking, you know, this, that, and the other. And if he is, he keeps his mouth fairly shut. He just makes a snide remark every now and then in his own dry way. But, um, I don't have Fox News anchor Brett Baer, also Martha McCollum. Uh, debates, debates temperature spiked when the subject of former President Donald Trump was broached. The question posed was both controversial and critical. If former President Trump is convicted in a court of law, would you still support him as your party's choice? Please raise your hand if you would. In response, four candidates on the Fox debate stage raised their hands to affirm the continued support for Trump, even under such circumstances. DeSantis and Pence hesitated before also raising their hands, clearly conflicted. Only one candidate, Asa Hutchinson, refrained from raising his hand. His decision not to publicly endorse Trump under the given scenario made a clear statement about his stance. Now, if that's the case, and Trump is the nominee, he's already violated his fucking pledge that he's already signed to fucking on. So he should be immediately disqualified from any more debates. Now, he had a legitimate reason for saying that, okay? He says, I'm not going to support somebody who's been convicted of a serious felony who has been disqualified under our Constitution, and that is consistent with RNC rules. Now, if everyone uh, would agree with me. The moment provided an opening for Vivek, who... Seize the opportunity to praise Trump and blast fellow candidate Chris Christie. President Trump, I believe, was the best president of the 21st century. It's a fact. <laughs> with only four of them under the hood, yeah, you can agree with that. Um, and he sat applause from part of the crowd. Christie, you claim your Donald Trump is your claim that Donald Trump is motivated by vengeance and grievance would be a lot more credible if your entire campaign were not based on vengeance agreements against one man, he continued. So those are pretty good. So here's the clip from uh, Brett Baer. You all signed a pledge to support the eventual Republican nominee. If former President Trump is convicted in a court of law, would you still support him as your party's choice? Please raise your hand if you would. President Trump, I believe, was the best president of the 21st century. Honest to God, your claim that Donald Trump is motivated by vengeance and grievance would be a lot more credible if your entire campaign were not based on vengeance and grievance against one man. Just change the channel to MSNBC right now. But I'm not running for president of MSNBC. 
am running for president of the United States. We're skating on thin ice, and we cannot set a precedent where the party in power uses police force to indict its political opponents. It is wrong. We must end the weaponization of justice. You make me laugh because you sit, you, sit, you sit here in an answer. You sit here in an answer. So there you got boots. It says, four GOP candidates on the Fox debate stage raised their hand when asked if they would support Trump for president if he becomes GOP nominee. Vivek had fucking throw his hand up fast. I mean, he was the first one, and everyone on his left followed, which is stage right. So I was like, wow, that was pretty quick, all right? And then um, it says, after DeSantis and Pence looked around, they reluctantly raised their hands, too. And I rewatched the clip again and saw that they looked over and says, okay, I'm going to raise my hand. And, and Pence said, Christy kind of, and he kind of waved his hand like, eh. And, and obviously Hutchinson did not. So as Chris Christie tried to defend himself, a wave of booing was di was directed at him to a point where Barry had to step in and halt the debate. So this is pretty pretty interesting. My emphasis. Boo! Boo! Well, so listen, the more time we spend doing this, the less time they can talk about issues you want to talk about. So let's just get through this section. Governor Christie. <laughs> when Vivek applied that every Republican presidential contender had been bought and paid for, Chris Christie exploded. Christie compared Vivek to Barack Obama and referred to him as a chat GPT. This is actually pretty entertaining. Listen to this. Let us be honest as Republicans. I'm the only person on the stage who isn't bought and paid for, so I can say this. The climate change agenda is a hoax. The climate change agenda is a hoax. And we have to declare independence. And the reality is, the anti-carbon agenda is the wet blanket on our economy. And so the reality is, more people are dying of bad climate change policies than they are of actual climate change. Governor, are you bought and paid for? Hold on, hold on. I've had enough. I've had enough already tonight of a guy who sounds like ChatGPT stands up here. And the last person in one of these debates, Brett, who stood in the middle of the stage and said, What's a skinny guy with an odd last name doing up here was Barack Obama, and I'm afraid we're dealing with the same type of amateur standing stage tonight. Hey, give me a hug! Give me a hug That was great. You have to admit, this guy is fast. And then when I looked up um, his thing, apparently he excelled at doing debates um, in college. So I was like, well, pretty interesting. He has a very impressive resume. Uh, he does have a couple things. Apparently, George Soros has a brother. I didn't know that. But apparently, George Soros's brother had, had basically had a, given him a, a scholarship. And actually, I saw a clip today. A co-worker had showed a clip. Uh, from on TikTok from Ramaswamy was basically stating that. Let me be clarifying on this. He said, George Soros, this is 
I got money from a Soros, but it wasn't George Soros. It was, I think, I think it was Paul Soros. He said it was his brother, but he said, um, I'm not going to um, put that down because, in fact, he gave me an opportunity to be able to go to college and do all this stuff. So he was, because he didn't come from money, you know. So, again, he was, his parents were immigrants, even though they had some pretty good skilled trade themselves. And, uh, but he worked his way up. So, but he busted his ass in college. He went to Harvard. Um, and he also went to Yale. So he got his uh, BS at Harvard and he got his uh, JD at, at Yale. So, I mean, again, the guy's not stupid. and He's top of his class on many of the things in high school and everything else. So, I mean, it's very interesting. This guy is a go-getter. And, and uh, like I said, on the surface, I'm very impressed by him. Now, I saw an interesting thing today where Wayne Allen Root, who's a Jew, by the way, was basically commenting, uh, well, who won the debates? Trump, 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 with assist by Vivek Ramaswamy. <laughs> and I was like, okay, I'll roll with that. But it basically said that this is Trump's time, but he said Ramaswamy is the future of the GOP because all the other candidates on the stage are the old establishment. And the fact that he's young, he's 38 years old, he's already a very accomplished and if you want to compare it to Barack Obama, there is no comparison except for the fact that, um, you know, there's some general similarity. But again, we're finding out now that Obama's a fag, that Michelle's probably Big Mike, the two daughters aren't even theirs, they're rented from another couple. It's complete fucking phoniness. So it's, again, the fact that they're able to keep that deception that long says a lot. So I was like, well, shit, you know. But anyways, um. But his wife is also very accomplished, too. She's also a medical doctor. So, I mean, you know, again, so, and, and he was raised in Cincinnati. So, he's got some general Midwestern values. And, and apparently, he, he's he's a Hindu, and he actually went to a Hindu church up here in the Dayton area. So, I mean, and he still lives in Columbus. So, he still stays in Ohio, even though he's, he's lived in New York City for a time. And then, you know, obviously, so again, you know, like I said, on the surface, the guy has a very impressive resume, and he's a fast thinker, man. Could he be a good uh, VP candidate for Trump? Maybe. But personally, I think he would do better in a cabinet position, but he's already said that he would not be on a cabinet position with Trump. That being said, though, I think Carrie Lake would be an excellent VP for Trump for the simple fact that she's tough. She is no slouch herself. And uh, she she doesn't back down. So I think if something were to happen to Trump, she would be more of a threat than Pence ever was. Because Pence is a he's he's quiet, reserved, and he's good. He's got a good grace under fire. But Lake will bite your head off in a positive way. I've seen her in in, in tangling with the media stuff. I mean, she's got a media background. She was an anchor for a long time, so she knows how the media works. So, like I said, I think she's definitely someone to watch for, man, because I think she would be an excellent VP candidate for Trump. Plus the fact that she would pull in a lot of the suburban women vote that they say Trump lacked on last time, you know. So, it's definitely worth checking out. So, anyways, uh, the debates are good, and I have to say, like I said, it's probably one of the best debates I've seen in a long time that was actually entertaining, you know. Um, I think... And like a coworker said today, he's like, dude, nothing can top fucking the second debate with Trump when 
Hillary's running her mouth, and he goes, yeah, because you'd be in jail. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, dude, that, that guaranteed him the win right there. He slam-dunked her ass. Also, sometimes it takes as a one-liner, and um, it game over, dude. It's absolute game over. It's great. Okay, so I want to go on to my next topic I wanted to cover, which I thought was very interesting, was um, I had seen a story pop up um, about a week about a week ago, and when I read this, I was really, really pissed off. Uh, this is on blabbermouth.net, which is like, it's what, it's what Metal Edge used to be in print when it came to the Metal Wire, uh, but a lot of times when they... they bring up band stuff it's like they always like find every little tiny thing little detail they come up with and try to make a long article out of it you know i mean it's just and they always like to um to mention band names or album titles whatever they always make sure it's in large bold print but if you read a lot of some of the stuff they're con the, the general speaking blabbermouth is does lean to the left especially when they attack john schaefer of um um, of Iced Earth because he was there on January 6th, especially the comments I read uh, at the end of the article were complete bullshit. So there was no support there at all, but yet he's had a side project called Sons of Liberty, two albums, one's called Brush Fires in the Mind, and I forget what the other one's called, but basically it's kind of like um, Iced Earth meets Queensryche meets you know, basically just truth shit. So basically, anything that covers conspiracy theory and stuff, they basically, um, he, he covered it. Like the creature from Jekyll Island and some other stuff. So it's pretty good. Anyway, I'm not a fan of Ghost. I know a lot of people are into them. I've heard one or two of their tracks. Eh, they're okay. Don't impress me much, all right? But obviously, the front man, and I can't tell you who the guy is. I don't really care. But the front man obviously has um, ghostly makeup, okay? So he's kind of like, this generation's King Diamond, all right? So, so there's a serious issue here that we need to raise some stinks about and possibly do a Bud Light on because this is very interesting. They are really pushing casinos in a lot of these states. We fought one here in Ohio for the longest time, but we got hoodwinked over some shit and they made it a constitutional amendment, so now we can't get rid of the motherfucker, all right? But they do have uh, some of those venues do have amphitheaters in them to have live acts. So you see a lot of country acts go there, uh, some other shit. So, uh, again, it, it's definitely um, an added attraction, an added venue to pay with book shit to get it, right? But on, um, this is from August 13th on blabbermouth.net, Missouri venue apologizes to ghost fans for miscommunication about face paint policy. Now, when I read this, I was really, I mean, I was literally sitting on the can that morning reading this, and I was fucking irate, dude, because where the fuck is Ghost on this, okay? Why isn't the lead singer of Ghost raising a fucking stink about it? I mean, you'll see Tom Morello of Rage Against the Machine say, boycott fucking venues and say, oh, you're going to use fucking facial recognition technology on our fucking fans? Fuck you. We're not playing your, vin your venue. And he's canceled several shows at places that were trying to do that. Because basically, you're trying to criminalize our fans. 
I mean, can you imagine this? Think about it. The shit they're doing now. If they could go after Kavanaugh and say, oh, everything you did from high school on up, you're a fucking criminal. What's, that set a precedent. What was the precedent before that? You see football fucking players. Again, I have to bring up the Cincinnati Bengals because they're the dumbest motherfuckers I've ever met. That they will go back, oh, we got a new fucking quarterback. We got uh, Burroughs, Carson Palmer, whoever. Doesn't matter. Whoever's the Bengals quarterback, they'll know everything about that motherfucker from the time he picked up his first football and threw it with his fucking daddy to his latest fucking pass, okay? So basically, they count everything that guy ever did as a total throwing record. So if he played on a Boy Scout team, if he played for fun, if he played for high school, college, and then eventually pros, they count all those as passes. I'm like, that's bullshit because this didn't count until after you, know, you can count his college career as one slate and then you count his fucking professional career as another slate. That's how obsessed these fans are with these fucking players, okay? So, Kavanaugh set a new fucking thing where basically if you run for a political high office, that everything you do can be scrutinized, especially if you're conservative or Republican, all right? They try to say he went back and say he was a rapist and all this other shit, getting chicks drunk at parties and fucking shit in high school, when even his own wife was could testify that he was a virgin when we met in college. And I don't really think did anything until like right before they fucking got married or something. I mean, this guy was a fucking... You know, he was chased. So, I mean, what the fuck? And, and, and again, there's many times that guys aren't into that shit and they go to a, a, a frat party, whatever, because they just want to hang out with some friends or they have some extra time or whatever. And just because they're there and present doesn't mean they get involved in that fucking, that whole scene, you know? Oh, it's like, like something right out of fucking uh, uh, animal house or something like that. You know what I'm saying? So, I mean, seriously. They go and criticize everything this guy did, but because of the fact that he had kept calendars of all his events ever since high school. And the one senator was fucking flipping out. He goes, what the hell would make you do something like that? Because he said, my dad told me always to do that, and I always did what my dad told me to do. Now, that being said, if he managed to keep all those records, that is discipline. That is someone you want as a Supreme Court justice. Regardless of the fact that he's a fucking bushy and he's obviously a political moderate on the fucking bench on some things, okay? He, he might be the next Sandra Day O'Connor. I don't know. But the bottom line is that is someone with the unique talent to that is warranted for nomination on a Supreme Court justice fucking bench, okay? So on the surface... That's something that's an attribute. I don't give a fuck what your political affiliation is. That is someone that is reputable and can be trustworthy. You know, again, you can criticize their decisions later on, but nevertheless. All right. So here's my here's my beef. So let's just say, oh, you go to Rage Against the Machine show. Of course, Rage Against the Machine is a far hardcore left wing political band. Even Tom Morello says, I'm not just a musician. I am an activist. OK, so you go and see Rage Against the Machine. Next thing you know, who knows what database is on. You go to, I don't know, just come up with the venue. Okay, you go to the fucking Odd Bodies. You got Odd Bodies up to date with GSP McGuffey's, right? You go see Rage Against the Machine. Yeah, fucking jamming out, dude. You're up there fucking having a good time, and they scan all the fucking faces they can see in the crowd, right? Next thing you know, they're like, ooh, what the fuck, look. Hey, man, there's Sonny Thomas at a goddamn fucking Rage Against the Machine show back in... 
2021, you know, and I'm running for office 20 years from now. And then I get chastised as a, as a conservative or right winger for going to a left wing fucking band show. Okay. Or a lot of these guys get scooped up in the college scene. They're very left wing. You know, they go see these bands. Hey man, check out rage. You know, a lot of people just like the music. They don't care about the lyrics as much. They like the music. Same with the fucking ghetto, uh, a rap gangster rap and shit. A lot of them like listen to the music and, and they listen to the flow, but they don't really listen to the lyrics, even though you got a lot of rappers basically saying, I hate white people and I will kill a white person. Who buys the records? White people. Public Enemy, 85 to 90% of their listening base was suburban white kids. That is a fact. And those are the ones that made them rich. Okay? Same with, this, same with Ice Cube. You know, And I got a lot of respect for Ice Cube. He, he puts a lot of his personal experiences and soul into his records, at least his old stuff. And and um, I, I and I, I give him a pat on the back and a high five for fucking making a stand, turning down the $9 million offer to do that movie because he wouldn't take the jab. Totally in it. And on Tucker, he talked about that. And he had said he had to lead an example for his, for his kids, especially his son. Probably his youngest. So, I mean... I totally get that, okay? So, I mean, how many times do we hear of these left-wingers or people that were like commies back in college, you know, the hippies, and they started, maybe they had a, a, a aha moment or they realized, you know, being a, a fucking left-wing commie doesn't really pay the bills. And so they start going for being a more a moderate conservative commentator like uh, David Horowitz, okay? He was an outright Marxist in fucking college and obviously a fucking Polish Jew, all right? But the bottom line is, he ended up becoming a major conservative voice 20, 25 years later. And um, um, actually, had, because he had been on that side of the fence, he can analyze those people a lot better because he understands the mode of thinking, right? So there's a lot of people that change, their, you know, they get older, they get wiser, they learn things, they go, you know what, that just wasn't working for me. But they assume just because you made a statement back then that that's still you now. Now, there's very few people that are principled to say, yeah, that statement I did 30 years ago is still the same as me now. Ron Paul is one of those people. You could go back and watch videos of Ron Paul in Congress in the 80s. The only thing difference between what he says then and what he says now is that his hair is brown. And now it's gray. So, I mean, you know, he's principled. And he's consistent. Which is more than I can say for most politicians. 99% of politicians are, could never be a Ron Paul if they tried. So let's go back to the ghost thing. So here's the biggest issue I have here is because Tom Morello stood up for his fans and says, no, nah, we're not doing his fucking shit. We're not playing venues that have fucking, um, you know, scanning technology. That's BS. So... Missouri venue apologizes to ghost fans for miscommunication about face paint policy. The Missouri venue where Ghost and Amana Marth, by the way, so not only do you have people dressed like the lead singer Ghost, but you got a lot of guys that are out there that are probably dressed in Viking regular war paint. Okay? Go to a Highland concert and you know what the fuck I'm talking about. <clears throat> so they performed on Friday, August 11th, uh, has apologized to the band's fans for miscommunication about the venue's face paint policy. Two days before the concert, Hollywood Casino Amphitheater, Maryland Heights, revealed via social media that, quote, face paint or masks covering the face would not be allowed 
while entering the venue or purchasing items at concessions. Any face coverings must be removed upon request, the policy said. Right? Despite the publicity, <clears throat> or despite the publicly stated face paint policy, many of the two bands' fans arrived at the concert to realize they were in violation of the policy and were either denied entry or told to remove the face paint by venue staff. This resulted in general confusion about what was and was not allowed, with one female ghost fan reporting on Instagram that she was told her makeup foundation was too light and it looked like face paint to them, so I had I had makeup wipes given to me and told that the white eye contact didn't help. Another attendee wrote on Facebook, so weird we didn't have we didn't see anyone have issues. We stood in VIP line over an hour with people who had makeup. They all got through security, <clears throat> and no one said a word to them. Sucks it happened. I have even I have even been to Kiss shows there as well. People wore Kiss makeup. Hollywood Casino Amphitheater released a statement the following day apologizing for the confusion and clarifying that Ghost wasn't behind the face paint policy. Attendees who experienced issues at the concert were urged to contact the venue by email to help improve the process for future shows. Quote, unquote. What the fuck does that even mean? The venue's statement reads as follows. Okay, that being said, then the band should have posted it on their website. And the reason why I say that is because I see a lot of writers at venues have certain restrictions for, like, even winger. You go to a winger fucking show list, it will tell you certain restrictions. Like, you can't have certain things. Not only that, but depending on the show, the heavier the metal show, a lot of these places won't even allow you to have any type of fucking chain wallets or anything that could be construed, construed as a weapon, okay? I mean, you go see Death Angel, Exodus, and Testament, even a normal motorcycle chain walk like I have, that I've had for fucking 30 years, is probably going to be in question. Not like these corn guys who wear chains that go almost all the way down to their fucking ankle, okay? Because obviously that's, that's fucking extreme. <clears throat> Very excessive. So the venue statement reads as follows. Thanks to everyone who joined us for an amazing ghost show last night. On behalf of our crew, we'd like to apologize for our miscommunication about removing face paint. This is not directed by Ghost. If you experienced this issues last night's show, please reach out to us so we can prove our future shows. Yeah, simple thing, dude. Okay, if you're going to have a performance band that uses theatrical makeup, don't book them. It's that fucking simple. I don't care if it's King Diamond. I don't care if it's fucking Ghost. I don't care if it's Blue Man Group. Okay. Don't fucking book an artist that has face paint makeup on. And there's a lot of bands that still do that shit. Okay? So it's that simple. And it goes into all the detail about the albums and blah, blah, blah. But yeah, it now the showed here on, on the thing, here's the Twitter. Or I'm sorry, the I guess the Instagram? No, it's Facebook. So there's the Facebook for Hollywood Casinos Amphitheater St. Louis. Join us for Friday, 105.7, The Points Big Summer Show featuring Ghost of the Monomarth. Here's all the information you need to know. The show information below is always subject to change. Please note, face paint or masks covering the face are not allowed while entering the venue or purchasing items at concessions. Any face coverings must be removed upon request. Okay, so you look on here. There's a picture of the singer from Ghost. He's got his makeup on. Okay, it says Ghost with the Monomarth. And then it says bag policy. Double check your bags before heading to the venue to make sure make security a breeze. Clear plastic vinyl or PVC bags, maximum size 12 inch by 6 by 12. 
small clutch bags does not need to be clear maximum size eight inch by nine inch okay right here face paint or masks covering the face are not allowed while entering the venue or purchasing items at concessions any face coverings must be removed upon, upon request of course this says your phone is your ticket open your live nation app transfer your tickets say wallet yada yada and then it says we've gone cashless we accept credit debit or mobile pay got cash convert your cash dollar for dollar with no charges to a prepaid debit card at our guest services welcome center in the front plaza so right off the bat you are seeing the final stages of them getting ready to get rid of cash and start pushing the, the cbdc's okay that's what's turning into so it's pretty fucking scary shit man it's it's happening all right it's definitely happening but i was really pissed when i saw this because i'm like dude there's a lot of bands that perform in theatrical makeup and costumes Matter of fact, uh, oh, God, I just come across this fucking Finnish metal band. They all have, uh, the chick is a mulatto. And all the members of the band wear, like, the Raven face masks. Like, from the old days. I guess, like, during the plague or something like that. So, they all wear, like, the, the, the big Raven masks. So, if someone comes in there... Um, Having a Raven mask because that's what the other band members do. Oh, you going to have to take it off? I mean, it's bullshit, dude. Another thing is, you know, I just saw Ace Frehley recently, and there's a guy there dressed like Peter Chris. He had Peter's makeup on. He took he took a little bit of time putting a costume together to look like Peter, even wearing uh, platform boots. Okay, what good is it to wear a costume of a of a character like that when you have to take off the face paint? You know what I'm saying? It really just it destroys the whole fucking mood, man. And I've been to a lot of KISS shows where I've seen some very impressive fucking costumes where people are very detailed at, at focusing on one particular era for their favorite character. So, I mean, that's bullshit. So, I mean, again, where is Ghost on this? I wouldn't mind emailing Ghost myself and say, hey, why don't you cancel these venues that say they won't allow your fans to wear fucking face paint? Fuck you. Because... Rock and roll is one of the number one forms of the First Amendment of freedom of expression. Because the very base of rock and roll is about expressing freedom, expressing your values, and that nothing is sacred. Okay? And if you're able to use theatrics to get more of your, uh, a, a lookout, whether it's Kiss, Alice Cooper, or whatever, okay? Hell, even Rob Zombie looks like a zombie. Alright? So, what the fuck? So... That shows this band doesn't give a fuck about their fans and their rights. Where Rage Against the Machine, a hardcore left-wing band, says, fuck you, we're not playing a venue where that has facial recognition technology in it. Fuck you. So, are a ghost that hard up for fucking shows? Now, I know a lot of these bands are hurting right now. The diesel costs, I've actually made many bands like Godsmack cancel entire European tours. And not only that, especially over in Europe, Many of the venues are now hitting the bands over the head for 20 to 25% of their fucking merch costs, dude. And a lot of these bands, that's how they're making their money. They're making okay money off of ticket sales. Album sales aren't like they used to be because you can't just go out to the store and buy a record anymore. You can't only find CDs. Everything is a digital download. If someone just wants to buy the single, you sold one song for what, $2? Where you could have sold the album for 15 to 20 you know? Plus, you lose the artistry of having all those songs which are already arranged in a particular order that the artist wanted. It's one of the things I said about digital music. I said when CDs came out, 
And, and by the early 90s, I said, the problem with this is going to be instant gratification of music. Let's go to the radio-friendly unit shifter and fuck the first couple of songs that are on the record. But a lot of those songs either, A, become hits on their own right, and sometimes become singles because of uh, call-ins from fan bases, and B, become fan favorites. So 20, 30 years, 50 years down the fucking road, even though that song was never a single, like Night Songs by Cinderella, Cinderella always played Night Songs. Tom Kiefer even plays Night Songs still. And it was never officially a single, but it's the title track to the first song of the debut album. So, I mean, there you go. It's a great fucking song, too, by the way, man. So, I mean, you know, good shit. But, I mean, Ghost needs to step up and say, fuck you. And Mon and Mars should say, hey, fuck you, too. Because of the fact that a lot of guys probably come in fucking regular. And they've been doing that shit for 30 fucking years. So, I think they got a legitimate fucking argument there. Okay, so, last thing I wanted to bring up is... Story I just posted yesterday. You can find us on Telegram. The Winter King. How historically accurate is the King Arthur series? Um, this is through uh, Den of Geek. Den of Geek, and it says uh, we untangle the myth from the fact in the Winter King based on Bernard Cornwell's Warlord Chronicles. So this guy had actually written a series of books and was trying to call from a lot of original sources about the Arthurian legend. You know, where does he come from? Who is he? And um, um, is there really, is he, is he just a, is he a myth, a legend, or, or is he a compilation of people, like possibly Shakespeare? So, I mean, these are all things to raise questions about. However, when you go look at the damn show and look who's cast, you look at the, the, the just got a little clip for the preview, you're like, all right, this looks kind of cool, all right, I might watch this, kind of like The Last Kingdom, you know, that was from some of the same writers and producers, I'm like, all right. Wasn't a bad show. I saw the first one. I haven't seen. I think there's what two or three more, but I had I haven't seen anything. So you know, I just I watched it the one time and I just lost track of it. I wouldn't mind checking it out, but it, it was pretty cool. But anyways, so the biggest issue you have right now is the cast. Okay, you got a fairly bunch of unknowns, but the chick that plays Guinevere is Canadian and she's a mulatto. She's got Irish, Scotch. I want to say Greek and African roots. And I'm like, wow, what the fuck? So now you're going to have King Arthur bedding down with fucking Guinevere. And, and uh, you know, again, they're running out of Britons to play Britons. That's pretty fucking sad, dude. Just like the BBC is talking about all the Romans are black now. When I do uh, 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 shows on, on the Romans now, they're all black. And then Merlin is a straight up black guy. So I'm like, what the fuck? It's not exactly Nicole and uh, was it uh, Nicole Wayne? Was it what was the guy's name from fucking uh, Excalibur? He was an interesting guy to play Merlin. Nicole Williamson is that was his name? With the little fucking helmet on his bald head and shit and his beard and you know, I was like, dude, he was he was a, he was a wily fucking Merlin, but dude, he was believable. And I'm like, all right, he became a cult classic partially because of him. And actually, I just saw that Nigel Terry, who played King Arthur, um, he did a little cameo in King Arthur in 2004 with Clive Owen. He was one of the Roman guards at the house when they were trying to stonewall the monks or whatever into the hole or whatever. Um, he did a, a little thing there. And I just saw him recently on 
Troy. He was one of the priests. Then I saw that he had just died recently, um, like a couple years ago. I was like, oh, holy shit. But the guy that played King Arthur in Excalibur back in 1981, Nigel Terry, is gone now. But from my impression, he didn't have any children. He's a very private person, and so maybe he's a fag. I don't know. But anyways, but I just, um, you know, some people just do what they need to do, do what they think. They don't want to fucking continue, you know. But this article really goes in a lot of the detail about the backgrounds and the tribes, and some of it's fictitious for dramatic effect. Others are compilations of other legends of some stuff so they, they really did a little bit of research on this so i'll give that for granted but when you look at shit like this and house of the dragon they act like house of the dragon was a big hit it wasn't from a lot of stuff that i read the ratings weren't that great and a lot of it is probably because of the black targaryen motherfuckers valerian valerian guy so, again, to me, that just totally killed it. And then, of course, marrying his daughter to the king or whatever. I mean, it's just, it, it's, yeah, it's full fucking incest and, and just crossbreeding and all this other shit. So, again, they're running out of Britons to play Britons. Because, you know, traditionally, whenever you see uh, sword and sandal films with Roman fucking um, betting stuff, they're always British actors. I mean, you could go to the rise and fall of the Roman Empire with, with Alec Guinness. You could go back to Spartacus with Kirk Douglas. And, of course, uh, Crassus is played by fucking Lawrence Olivier. Um, hell, even Ben-Hur. Uh, Jack Hawkins was the, the centurion and the the senator that adopted Judah Ben-Hur. So, I mean, again, you know, it's got all these British actors that always play Roman guys. So... These are some things I just want to bring up because this is some crazy fucking shit, man. It really is. It's absolutely necking futs, if you know what I mean. So we've got this craziest shit going on right now. And people need to start saying, you know what? First thing you want to do is, uh, first of all, turn it off. And then send them feedback. Say, hey, man, we don't appreciate you not having whites playing fucking historical white white characters. It just is unacceptable. And we're not watching a shit. Just like some of these things have gotten so bad with with the bias because all these Jews are running the shit, Star Wars is almost completely destroyed. I mean, uh, the three the three sequels are terrible. The last one was really bad, but I think the Last Jedi was worse. I mean, my God, myself, it took me four sittings to get through that fucker because it was so boring, so fucking boring. And then seeing Princess Leia blow it out into space and then she uses the force to fucking keep herself, uh, her integrity of herself alive and then zoom back in. That was bullshit, dude. I mean, it was like, man, this is fucked up. But the only, the only Star Wars after movie that was even worth watching was Rogue One. But again, the, one of the problems with Star Wars is they always have bad fucking casts. With guest stars. Same with Star Trek. Star Trek is and the films are notorious for having bad fucking guest stars, you know? And and I'm not saying that totally because you got some accomplished actors. You had Christopher Plummer, you had uh, David Warner, and you had um oh what was that other motherfucker that was on there? Of course I can't stand uh James Cromwell. Played Zephyr Cochran. He's a dick. He's a left wing fucking loon. Um yeah, because Dave Warner was in it twice. He was in Final Frontier. He was the Terran ambassador. And then he played, actually, um, 
the the Klingon commander that was killed in Star Trek Six, if I remember correctly. So a lot of the cast that's on there, and, and actually Christopher Lloyd was actually one of the Klingons in Star Trek Three, if I recall. So again, but a lot of the other cast, I mean, like look at Next Generation. You had uh, what was her name, Alfre Woodward or, or whatever. Black girl is in first contact. You couldn't have picked someone else. She's a terrible actress, dude. Terrible. I mean, I was just like, God damn. Especially when it comes to a Star Trek movie, man. That is that is very special because people take the time to watch an hour and a half, two hour Star Trek film because it it's part of them. It's part of them, man. But when you have a shitty fucking guest cast like that, it just ruins it. Now, first I was like, Alice Krieg is the Borg Queen? Really? Now, I did see her in another production recently um, that was sometime before it or right after. Some English setting. Um, okay. I, I can see why they picked her. I, I see some of her acting chops. I get it. And actually, I guess from one of the new Star Trek shows, the chick that played the Borg Queen, I guess, died in real life. She had cancer. But she worked until the last fucking day. She couldn't. She died like a day or two later, something like that. And so they brought in Alice Krieg to play the Borg Queen again. And, of course, it was dedicated to the actress that died. And, actually, I think one of the starships they had on there was actually named after her in one of the battles. So it was actually named after her. So I was like, wow, that's really cool. Because, um, you know, when you have Star Trek, man, you are almost got immortality. <laughs> so if you're... Uh, you know, on Star Trek, you're pretty much set, man, because just the, the royalties from the DVD sales alone, plus the syndication and everything else, you're going to make some fucking money. Plus the fact when you get older, you can go to these Comic-Cons and still, you know, command 80 to $120 per signature and $60, $106 for a fucking photo. So you can make some decent cash off that. I've been to some of these Comic-Cons. I met William Shatner, and, and I've seen some other prominent actors of their day. I mean, I'm no Richard Dreyfuss fan, but he was there. Hell, Adrian Barbeau. Dude, she was always one of the hotties of the fucking early 80s and shit. You know, Escape from New York, Cannonball Run, all that shit. She was there. You know, she's got to be in her fucking mid-70s. Dude, she still looked pretty good for a woman her age. But I had seen other people that had played in, in fantasy roles and stuff in the 80s that were popular B-rate films that uh, my generation grew up on. But they hadn't done anything probably since the early to mid-90s, but were still featured there. But I felt sorry for these guys because no one was standing in line to talk to them. Nobody had, you know, a cassette copy of their fucking film to sign, a promo post or nothing. I mean, that, that's one of the problems, I think, with stardom, man. Because when you disappear or fall off, man, nobody fucking remembers you anymore. So, but, you know, I've always remember, I've always known how I've been treated when I met rock stars and stuff and politicos, and, and I try to treat people that well, because I've had people approach me because, hey, man, are you Sonny Thomas? Like, it depends on who's asking, you know. Even when I was doing prom uh, promos and booking bands in the mid-2000s doing showcases and putting them on cable access, I had fans of these bands that would go get the event posters that I made and wanted me to sign them. And I was totally flabber flabbergasted. I'm like, sure, I'll sign it for you. <laughs> knowing that, hey, man, they got a, a little collector's item. Who knows? I might become a major person someday and go, oh, look, I got Sonny Thomas's poster from 2003. You know? <laughs> Not only did I designed it, but I signed it. So, cool shit. Because I'm a collector, too. So, I, I have a lot of things I've collected from people over the years of different uh, backgrounds, whether they're entertainers, politicos, or 
authors. You know, I mean, I've got two books signed by Sarah Palin. Like I said, man, I tell you what, pictures do not do that woman justice. She looks so much better in person. And she's real down to earth. She's politically stupid on many things, but she is very much a down to earth gal, man. I mean, seriously, that's why we loved her here in Ohio. We pretty much adopted her when she was running because we're like, Sarah, you're one of us. You know what I mean? Seriously. If you ever leave Alaska, come to Ohio. You will fit in just fine. So, good shit. All right. So, those are the things I wanted to cover in this first segment. And um, take a quick uh, station break and, and uh, pay some bills here. But my interview with Monica and Alfred Schaefer is very, very powerful. I think you enjoy it. And um, a lot of interesting stuff. And explain what happened and what's going on over there. And, uh, you know, it could very well have start happening to us. If this thing with Trump goes through, now we're not just talking about Trump getting died. We're talking about a lot of his crew, man. Attorneys that helped him. Rudy Giuliani got booked. Sidney Powell got booked. Jenna Ellis got booked. Y'all got 150, 100, 200, you know. One guy, Mark Meadows, well, he had a fucking $100,000 bond. Another guy had a $10,000 bond. I mean, come on, man. You don't realize this is banana republic time. This could happen to us. And what's really important is, and I think Vivek Ramaswamy has addressed this, not only on stage, but also through his statements and releases, that if they could go after political opposition, that means anything you say. And there's a lot of people that say stuff um, when they're campaigning or in debates to get attention that they're going to try to criminalize. So there's a lot of people that say shit. During, that's why they always talk about candidate Obama said this. Or President Obama did that. So he completely went against the thing he said or promised he would or would not do on a campaign trail. And did the complete opposite when he gets in there. Okay. So what's next? He can't say anything on a campaign trail? That basically whatever he says um, could be the restable fence? So that's the type of shit we're working on. We saw that Jordan Peterson is basically being thrown in a re-education camp because of a statement he made. The judge th uh, wouldn't throw it out. So... He's going in for that. So this is the type of shit that's starting to happen. And it's going to happen here. And like they're getting ready to do the COVID lockdowns again. Start masking up. They've already done it at Lionsgate. They're already starting to do it at the universities. We will not comply. If Biden goes out there and says, I'm signing executive orders right now, I'll be like, go ahead. <laughs> Sign it, motherfucker. And you just signed your death warrant. I mean, seriously, we need to start saying, fuck you, motherfucker. You're not supreme fucking leader of nothing. You are a shit stain that needs to be fucking wiped up. And, and seriously, and this is the problem. If he goes and signs, we want to go to D.C. and all protest the White House. Hey, fuck you, motherfucker. You ain't locking down shit. We're going to go and fucking check everybody's fucking debit cards. See who was in the area like he did January 6th. You're going to fucking go do facial recognition technology and fuck us like you did all the other fucking protesters that were just there. I mean, that's what it's turning into. Go ahead, motherfucker. Make sure you get my profile right. And commit it to memory because I'm not going away. So again, that's my attitude. And and, and I was listening to an interview with uh, Andrew Tate on Alex Jones today. And he was talking about how when they arrested him for that bullshit charge in a Romanian jail, he was in there for what, four months or something like that? You know, he said the prison guards were trying to, you know, you know, try to intimidate him or whatever. And it's just like he was in there. He said he was in there hours a day 
As a matter of fact, Alex said, my God, dude, you went in there and fucking come out. You were fucking jacked. What the fuck did you do? He's like, dude, I literally did thousands of push-ups a fucking day. He's like, are you seriously? How many did you actually do? He's like, oh, I did at least uh, 15, 1,600 push-ups a day in there. He said, I, and I would do it just to piss the fucking prison guards off because the simple fact that, you know, they thought, oh, yeah, fuck you, dude. Yeah, you're somebody. Oh, yeah, fuck you, man. You're not going to tell me I can't fucking take care of myself. You know, he, he he's not getting the diet he needs or whatever the case may be. Man, he's still fucking doing what he can to fucking stay in shape and keep himself mental clarity. I get what he's saying, dude. But you have to realize, some of these guys are alpha males that don't take shit from nobody. When they try to cancel Ice-T over the fucking Saturday Night Live skit he did on the House of Dragons... And they try to cancel him. And he's like, you can't cancel me. They've been trying to cancel me for 30 fucking years. I'm ice motherfucking tea, bitch. <clears throat> if anything, it's like watering ducks back to him. Has anything else happened to Ice-T since? No. Because they know it doesn't bother him. Like they try to pull shit on Ice Cube. They try to attack him for, oh, you're anti-vax and all this other shit. No. I'm just saying that I'm not encouraging anyone to get the vax. But I've made a choice not to take it. Yeah. And I have reasons why. Look at Jamie Foxx. He's fucked up. He was pissed he had to take it. Now he's foobar, dude. His career's done. He's basically turning Richard Pryor, man. He's he's a nobody now. He's, he's a gimp. So, again, especially all the strikes going on in Hollywood, are they going to start forcing these guys on a mask up again? Fuck you, dude. These actors need to start stepping up, stop worrying about the bullshit paychecks, and say, hey, fuck you. I ain't wearing no goddamn mask on a set. You could suck my dick. So, you get... You know, looks like Jim Morrison setting the doors, man. Five to one, baby. One and five, you know. They got the guns, but we got the numbers. So, yeah, seriously, you can't kill us all, motherfucker. We have to get that mentality because I tell you what, all it takes is a couple of us to fucking stand up and say, I am Spartacus. And then everyone else to start standing up saying, I am Spartacus. I am Spartacus. That's what we need to get to. People need to say, you know, fuck you, man. And, and and not be afraid. Go ahead, turn my debit card off, bitch. I'll find you. I'll hunt you down. I'll find whoever's in charge of that motherfucker, and I'll make your life real fucking interesting. That's the attitude you have to have, man. The left does to, to fucking uh, organizations all the time. It, that's not something we want to have to lower ourselves to. But at some point, you're going to say, you know what? Fuck this shit. Enough's enough. And we have to start fucking stepping up. I can't do it all, man. You all have to fucking step up, too. You know, I'm going to start going to city council meetings. I'm going to start giving peace in my mind. Say, hey, I'm telling you what's coming, man. It's a great reset. We as white people better start looking out for each other. And when these fuckers start trying to use these vouchers and shit to take over these empty houses in our neighborhoods, say, uh-uh, that shit ain't happening. No, no way, dude. You're not lowering my property values. You're not bringing all your, you know, all your family in here and having your weekend fucking parties and taking up all the parking spaces and having... Little fucking hoopty hoops and all this other shit. Yeah, what's up, boy? And fucking having your fucking barbecues ain't happening, dude. Well, it's racist. You goddamn right it is. Because when you start standing up for neighborhoods, once you start letting them in, they start pouring in, dude. They start pouring in. And then the Mexicans, when they come in, dude, they'll have 18 people in the fucking house. But yet, buddy of mine bought a brand new Mustang. He just bought it that weekend. He parked out in his front yard to go wash the motherfucker. And the cop's like, hey, man, you could be parking out there in the grass. And it's like, are you fucking kidding me, dude? I'm washing my car. You think it's going to be out here more than two hours? And then, well, hold on, hold on. What about this shit across the street? 
there are fucking 18 people in that fucking house which violates local fucking regulations, local ordinances, there's at least six cars that go to the house and three of them are parked in the fucking yard. See all these, all these cars in front of the house? Two in the fucking driveway, four of them in the goddamn street, which takes up the, this guy's parking space, that guy's parking space, and they basically carved out the grass parking their fucking vehicles. Now, you're going to tell me I can't wash my brand new fucking car in the grass for two hours? Uh-huh. You best get on down the road, Jack. And and that's, you need to fucking start telling these motherfuckers. And the cop wants to get up to you and fucking think he's Billy Badass? Going down, bitch. You work for me, motherfucker. Once you go over there and harass these sons of bitches. So that is the attitude you need to start having. Then take videos. Get the cop's badge number. Because it may not just be him. It may be their policy. We saw that video, what, almost 20 years ago in New York City, where they purposely create quotas to go after people to generate revenue. I said, I don't care what the fuck you do. If they, if they even parked two inches away from the curb, taking them. Someone actually got in there and got an insider fucking audio of them saying that. Boom. All hell breaks loose. That's how you get shit to happen. All it takes these days is use technology to your advantage, dude. You can wake someone up. But the thing is, you know, I, I inspire people, at least that's what I've been told, okay? Just my basic attitude, my general values, or the fact that I just don't give a fuck. But the bottom line is, I can't do it all myself. You have to help. Just like when you help here support Resolution Radio by sending some uh, obvious suggestions. Hey, man, check out this band. Check out this story. Uh, look into this. Hey, man, what's your take on this? Or many of you stepped up and actually helped send us money. You know, we don't have a lot of the digital options we had before. We got fucking shut out. But people still send us snail mail. I've had checks, money, orders, and cash. If you want to send that to us, we're very appreciative and will help us grow our fucking network here. We've been adding more programs. <coughs> We've been trying to get some good stuff on, some good content. We're focused a lot on the Second Amendment. we got another show we're getting ready to start putting on called uh, uh, Keeping Bear. And um, we're going to try to add more programs that I think of people that have something to say. So we've been able to do that because people have been helping us and also giving us suggestions of programs to check out. Or I just come across someone and go, wow, I really like what this guy's doing. Hey, can I add you to our lineup? We really like what you're saying and what you're advocating. And I, I put Kate Daly on after I was listening to her extra hour on Alex Jones. And then she thanked me uh, on Twitter. Because I really appreciate the one she had about the private property rights uh, documents that you better know to get. Otherwise, you're just paying off your house. You don't own the fucking lane it's on. <laughs> Fuck that. So that show was very, very educational. And I've already informed several people through my connections with that broadcast. And as a matter of fact, she had another guest on and had a similar uh, topic on. I'm going to make a special report with that. Put those two together and say... And promote that and say, this is definitely must-to show to listen to by Kate Daly. Thank you very much, Kate, for the mention. And thank you very much for your content. I really appreciate what you do on a weekly basis. So, again, we have to look out for each other. We have to support each other. If you guys know other radio hosts that think might, might be interesting to me, let me know. If you like what I do here, contact them. Say, hey, man, you can say Thomas on your show. You know, recently I come across another program that was, uh, you know, folkish and, and, and heathen and true, and we traded off. 
you know, on his show, I talked about a myriad of topics, religion, politics, and, and music and stuff. Where when I get it got on my show, we focus specifically on the religious perspective from what he's doing with his, uh, within his group. So again, great interchange there, good exchange of ideas. And I really enjoyed it. We had a good time on each other's show. We got a chance to cross pollinate our streams a little bit. Awesome. So, but again, if you know any of the programs, and again, if you know any good um, pagan shows, heathen, as a true, whatever, let me know. I'm going to start uh, designating probably Saturdays on focusing on those type of programs because of the fact that I really want to ex expand upon that. So again, we really appreciate your your efforts. And uh, we really appreciate listening. Like I said, we still got a pretty large listenership in Russia. Thank you very much. Because of the fact that obviously you guys like what we're doing over there. And uh, again, unlike what Chris Christie was saying during debate, oh, he's, Putin's out there fucking got Russians gouging out eyes and, and shooting them in the back and killing their families. No, they're not. That's what the Ukrainians are doing, you dumb fat fuck. And again, someone who's not under the control of the banksters, who's not allowing their culture to be destroyed, must be villainized. And, of course, with Alex Jones, everything's got to be Hitler. He obviously doesn't know enough about Hitler at all. He knows what he's read and has been told that he was the evilest man that ever fucking lived. But yet, when you really look at who the Fuhrer was, why he was the way he was, why he came up with those points of view, and what he actually did as Chancellor, you can't disagree with the guy. Even as a kid, I know shit about fucking politics. I'm watching fucking Hitler videos, and I'm reading the fucking... The translations, and I'm going, dude, I can disagree with this. But God, you know, later on, we got a little more politicist too. So, you know, he sounds like a Dixiecrat. You know, the Dixiecrats from the 60s? That's exactly what he sounds like. He's very nationalistic. Well, Dixiecrats are Southern nationalists. You know? I mean, he's, he wants to propagate his people. He wants to get the bad elements out. He wants to get the dredges of society out. So Germans can actually thrive in their own fucking lands. Who could disagree with that? Jews. Because they are parasites. They have no, they're internationalists, just like you said, and they have uh, no qualms about feeding off everyone else's success. So it just keeps them getting more interesting. All right, so I uh, appreciate y'all tuning in tonight, and um, definitely check out my interview here with Monica and Alfred Schaefer. And hashtag Schaefer was right, <laughs> and you'll see why. Salachima. Thanks for listening to Project Schoolyard Volume 2. For more information about the project, as well as lyric to the songs on this CD, please visit www.tightrope.cc. You can also find jokes, news articles, a photo gallery, free CD downloads, and a secure online shopping cart. We carry a full line of flags, t-shirts, CDs, books, stickers, and other products of interest to racially conscious white people. Please visit www.tightrope.cc.
We are the American Freedom Party. This is the most urgent time in the history of Western civilization. In the year 1900, white people of European descent comprised 35% of the world population. Today it is less than 9% and falling fast. Europe is being overrun with Middle Eastern immigrants, and America's founding stock is rapidly being replaced with third world peoples from around the globe. For the last 50 years, every influential institution in this nation, our schools and universities, our media, our churches and our employers have promoted policies and principles that teach whites to be ashamed of their great heritage and birthright. We, who in the 1950s, the 1960s, and 1970s were the world's dominant force, are now so afraid of being called racist that we were quailing towards irrelevance and extinction. Join the American Freedom Party today. Reach us at theamericanfreedomparty.us or call us at 701-317-5317. Paid for by the American Freedom Party. You're listening to The St. Thomas Show with St. Thomas on ResolutionRDO.com. Call in or listen now at 607-203-5423. That's 607-203-5423. Are you a native son or daughter of the South who pleads the stars and bars? Someone not born in Dixieland, but who is a Johnny Reb at heart and looking for a place to shop that promotes Southern heritage? Well, your search is over. Dixie Republic is the place to go for all things celebrating the Confederacy and promoting Southern pride. Inside the log cabin, just outside Traveler's Rest, South Carolina, Dixie Republic has t-shirts, hats, videos, flags, books, belt buckles, and some of the best mouth-watering barbecue sauce that will ever touch your lips. There's just about everything you want honoring the South at Dixie Republic. Well, you say that South Carolina's a bit too far for you to drive? Have no fear, my friend. All of this is just a mouse click away. Go online at www.dixierepublic.com. Your home for all things celebrating the Confederacy and promoting Southern pride. You're listening to Resolution Radio, Radio, ResolutionRDO.com. My brothers, my sisters, I bring you a message of solidarity, a call to action, and a demand for adherence to duty of an Aryan resurgence and ultimately total Aryan victory. We have broken the chains of Jewish thought. We know not the meaning of the word mine, it is ours. Our race, the totality of our people. Ten hearts, one beat. One hundred hearts, one beat. Ten thousand hearts, one beat. We are born to fight and to die and to continue the flow. The flow of our people. Onward we will go, onward to the stars, high above the mud, the mud of yellow, black and brown. So kinsman, duty calls. The future is now. If months from now you have not yet fully committed yourself to the Alliance, then you have an effect not only betrayed your race, you have betrayed yourself. So stand up like men and drive the enemy into the sea. Stand up like men and swear a sacred oath upon the green graves of our sires that you will reclaim what our forefathers discovered, explored, conquered, settled, built, and died for. 
Stand up like men and reclaim our soil. Kinsmen, arise. Look towards the stars and proclaim our destiny. Defeat never, victory forever. Welcome to the Resolution Radio Network at ResolutionRDO.com. You are listening to Sunny Thomas Show, and I am your host, Sonny Thomas. If you want to call in or listen now, it's area code 607-203-5423. That's area code 607-203-5423. So you can follow us on various social media. We're on Winkin, Getter, Gab, Twitter, and Telegram at ResolutionRDO. And we are at Wimkin, Getter, Gab, Twitter, and Telegram at Sunny Thomas Show. But you can follow us on Twitter specifically at Resolution RDO and the number one. Because obviously uh, Elon Musk hasn't seemed to have been able to uh, free us from the bondage of the current, uh, of, the, of the previous regime's uh, censorship things. But nevertheless, we still have a presence there as well. So we appreciate everybody helping us out. If again, you want to uh, also improve us here, expanding shows and also. Uh, expanding our technical prowess. We, we still appreciate you guys uh, supporting us through snail mail because most of the digital media has been closed out to us. Send a uh, check or money order or well-concealed cash to Sonny Thomas at P.O. Box 27, Springboro, Ohio, 45066. And thank of you, thanks to you, many of you that have actually supported us over the last several years. I've uh, really helped us to um, improve our drives and to, um, be able to bring other programs to the forefront here on the Resolution Radio Network. Okay, so uh, I have two wonderful guests out here on the program. One is no stranger to this program, and the other one is a welcome guest because, of fact, I've been on a previous program with him before in some capacity. And so we welcome back Monica Schaefer, who uh, infamously did her video about grandma, grandma or sorry, mother, I was I was wrong about the Holocaust, and it really got her into a shitstorm. Because she realized that the whole Holocaust narrative was bogus. And so we've seen a lot more documentaries over the last few years that have actually uh, exposed many of this. Uh, two of them are similarly titled. One is Adolf Hitler, The Greatest Story Never Told by Dennis Wise. And another similar one, which is done in one of those uh, robotic voices uh, called The Greatest Lie Ever Told, which shows the metrics and the mathematics of how the Holocaust could not have ever happened especially at the scale that they supposedly uh, say, just at Auschwitz alone. So both those documentaries are powerful tools and to show just how much they've lied to us. Because we know in every war situation, the victor writes the history. And so we've seen it here in America with the Civil War, as well as um, some other conflicts as well. So, But nevertheless, uh, we always try to bring really great guests onto this program um, to really expose what's going on in the world, no matter what the topic matter is. So 
Alfred Schaefer is Monica's brother, and he is um, no stranger to freedom of speech issues as well. He's spoken out in Germany many times on many different issues, and they've basically uh, thrown a book at him, just like they've done Ursa Haverbeck. So again, he is uh, a political prisoner, and uh, he was uh, free after about a year, and now they're trying to stick him in again for another short spell. And I uh, can only wonder why. It's just like, man, it's like the fact this guy even breathes, he's a threat to the um, occupied state of Deutschland because technically Germany never properly surrendered from its national socialist government to the Allied powers. They were forced to do a bunch of shit that not even probably even legal, not to mention the whole Nuremberg, the whole Nuremberg trials are completely illegitimate on prima facie. Just on a legal perspective, it's completely unprecedented and totally unwarranted. So basically, when the victors can drain their judgment on you, uh, General Montgomery said it best that basically made it a crime to lose a war. And pretty astounding statement that is. So Monica and Alfred, welcome to the Sonny Thomas Show. Thank you very much, Sonny. Great to be back. And I'll hand it right to Alfred. He can just make a little correction first to the timeline there. Four years in prison, followed by just over a year out, right? <laughs> yes, I, I've, I've been out for just over a year now, and I'm supposed to actually be back in prison now. I was supposed to appear at the prison uh, two days ago on August 3rd, but I say it is it would be absolute treason to go to your enemy and say, please take me as your prisoner of war. Here I am. No, they have to come and get me. But I'm not going to hide, so they know where I am. So let's just see how that plays out. I'm supposed to go in for six months for uh, such a pathetic thing. I just look at it as uh, the, 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 the regime uh, having a dialogue with us. It, I can't take that stuff seriously any anymore. And so that's where we are right now. Well, here's the worst problem about the whole situation is the fact that how many generations of Germans have been totally brainwashed to think that they were wrong, that they were the ones that only started – uh, World War One, which they never did, they they just kind of got pulled into the mix, and just at the right at the precipice of victory, they had the pavements pulled out from under them, and then and they had the stab in the back, as Hitler always talked about. And then World War Two, we find through a lot of the peace treaties and a lot of the dialogue from uh, Hitler as Chancellor that he had no intentions of going to war with the powers. If anything, he was trying to get an alliance, especially with the British, to go against the the Soviet regime. So, again, it pretty much shows who was pulling the strings on most of the Allied powers, i.e., especially the British and the American forces, because as you just kind of look through who was the upper echelons, who the hell was Churchill? Uh, the guy was actually a complete um, loser with his uh, loss of Gallipoli, as well as how in the hell was he even able to maintain running his estate on a, on a meager uh, parliament pension as well as running, uh, writing columns in, 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 in the national papers, which gave him a very very little sum. So it's pretty obvious the guy was uh, bought and paid for and was, and was a stooge waiting in the wings. So, I mean, again. We, you, know, you know, let me just interject. that This goes, that what the Jews had learned through the American Civil War, you know, we call the Civil War. That was a Jew war against the American people. And they had learned so much in that war that they used in this so-called First and Second World War. So these Jews have been uh, fomenting wars for so long now, and they've, you know, and they, they got their husbara to explain things to us. Every single component and aspect of the so-called Jewish religion, it's actually an operating system for psychopathic uh, criminals, 
at, and every single component of that is designed to do do that. Like get go in, in infiltrate into people and, and 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 get them at each other's throat, and then the Jews are there, you know, uh, making room for themselves as they steal our money and get ever more control. And now we now we've got this at a global level, and they are now going for the entire white race. And that's where this is, this all has led to. So I'll give it back to you now. I, I think it goes back even far now. I mean, obviously with Napoleon. I mean, obviously that um, once Rothschild had gotten bought England by the pound, literally, uh, they've controlled the British Empire ever since. And so even up to the founding of this country, as well as the, the war to try to tear us apart. I mean, just the, the other day I was having a, a conversation with a, a co-worker where we're talking about um, that Lincoln wasn't even on the ballot in, in any of the southern states because there was a three-way split between him, Douglas, and Breckenridge. So the only reason why Lincoln even got in the first place is because there was a three-way race, and he just happened the majority because of the uh, electoral votes of the North. So like I said, Lincoln was questionably to be even legitimate to, in the first place, so it just reaffirms why the South had a right to secede. But that being said... What was the whole purpose of World War One? It was to take out the old world order. Who was the old world order? The monarchies. I mean, if anything, I think Henry VIII conclusively proved that the real power in Europe at that time was the church. That basically they were just set traps of their own countries, but they still had to genuflect to the church. And he's like, no, nah, that ain't happening. So to get what he wanted, he basically started his own Church of England. And to be smart about it, he made sure he was the de facto head of the Church of England. So they wouldn't stab him in the back, too. So, again, it just kind of reasserts why our nations should have their own sovereignty and why the globalists are so hell-bent on destroying nationhood and sovereignty for all nations because, in the fact, they want to be completely subjugated to a central government. So let me ask you this, Alfred. What was the reason why you even got on the radar? I mean, obviously, you're you're fairly well-versed uh, in the history and also understanding, obviously, when it comes to German history – I'm sure you could probably have hours long conversations about uh, uh, what happened with, with Deutschland and, and uh, first, second world war, even the, the, the situations leading up to that, you know, when actually when um, uh, Bismarck had united the, the kingdoms of England or sorry, the kingdoms of Deutschland into one nation, what would eventually happen? Because they were like a major competitor to the British empire because the German people have always been well known for being Excellent engineers, scientists, philosophers, diplomats. I mean, they were always a force to be reckoned with. So once they achieved nationhood and started to become a competitor for the British Empire, they were always a threat. That's why they started having the narrative of, oh, babies on bayonets and all this other crap that they try to paint the German soldier as being the ultimate evil, uh, like like there's some sort of walking dead or something like that. I mean, can you just kind of spend a couple minutes on that? Well, what got me on the radar was basically uh, was especially the, the video uh, which was a real hit with Monica. You know, sorry, Mama, I was wrong about the Holocaust. And then they realized that we were waking up to so many more subjects. You know, and that's what's happening now on a global scale. And and you know, it's interesting that Jew has got to the point where we find ourselves now uh, because he. Because of his, his, his you know, the, the well thought out agenda, you know, the plan with over a hundred years ago, the leading Jews had realized with three 
world wars. They can, uh, you know, ascend the, the throne and, and rule this planet, kind of thing. But um, and each one had a certain agenda and purpose and so forth. But um, but now the whole world is waking up and realizing how we've been uh, just made a complete ass of. And there's going to be a, a you know blowback and, and a reaction now that's happening, and um, and even like I think Monica will agree that that in the system there are more and more people that um, that, that want are trying to find an exit from the stage that they're on and join our ranks, and and that's how I see everything that's happening with me now. Like this this you know if they're going to come and pick me up and throw me in prison, I'm not worried about anything we're going to see how things will turn out when i'm there but it's always an opportunity to have a dialogue with the system with the police officers with the with the wardens with everybody and and and, and that that's what everybody has to get engaged in in is, is is doing that is like engaging with the people explaining them in, in clear uh proper way you know like what's happening and what the, what treason is and what the truth is and so forth because uh, this is really the final battle of good versus evil and all you know the, the whole world wars they weren't the evil nazis against the, the, the allies and so forth it was the, the entire two controlled world rising up to to to, to subjugate the uh, uh awakening german people, you know, the heart of Europe, which was the Germans, they were waking up to the Jewish problem. And actually, Adolf Hitler and the Germans wanted to save the entire Europe and the whole world, actually, from exactly that, which we have now got to deal with, you know, I mean, we are, the Jew has us now, as his slaves, of, you know, being injected with, with vaccines, which are rat poison and, and, and nonsensical laws and lies and, and Holocaust nonsense. And this is what we have. If we don't get out of this, we will all perish, basically. So that that's the final battle that we're in right now. Well, not that, but I mean, let me just add what um, to answer your question for those listeners who might not be familiar with the work that Alfred did, you know, quite a bit before my Sorry Mom video, Sorry okay. Mom, I was wrong about the Holocaust, got Alfred already on the radar, and I think he's a humble man, so he's not going to talk about it too much himself, but Alfred was making some really, really good videos, educational videos, in a nutshell, that's what he went to prison for, was educating the public with videos and not holding back. Now, the early videos... Alfred was still on the learning curve. For example, the very first big video was called 9-11 Gatekeepers and Controlled Opposition. And in that video, he is still thinking at that time, because we were all on a learning curve, and me too, I didn't know yet all, all the, the truth about what was going on, but he was still thinking that the quote-unquote Nazis were were bad and, and hadn't yet realized. And one of the things that... One of the charges against Alfred in our 2018 trial in Germany, I mean, it was absolutely ridiculous. One of the charges against him was a clip out of that video where Alfred has the Star of David imposed on the screen above one shoulder and the swastika imposed above the other shoulder on the screen. And he's making some kind of a comparison between, you know, those evil Zionists, the, the Jews, Israel, and 
uh, the the Nazis that not yet understanding that oh, wait a minute that Holocaust didn't happen and so you know we had both woken up and and Alfred was kind of the first in the family just to wake up about nine eleven and I did and we went down this learning journey together mm-hmm. and yet they're charging him for having that swastika because the swastika is such a forbidden symbol in Germany same thing with that thing they call the Hitler salute which is the old Roman salute which is the straight arm gestures showing that oh I come without arms my palm is open my hand is open I'm not holding a weapon against you I come in friendship right and by the way that's what Alfred is facing six months of jail time for now not for murdering or looting or burning or doing some kind of vandalism or anything like that he's supposed to go to jail for six months for doing that gesture in the courtyard in the prison during his last prison stint when he was explaining to somebody what he was in jail for and when he was accosted by the guards saying oh Shiva Shiva you know and the, the the buddy the other prisoner he said oh no no he's just showing me how high his dog Pavlov can jump <laughs> back to this, yeah it's good so back to this like Alfred made some really excellent videos and had <laughs> the equipment to do so you know a green screen and a good camera and this and that and so then when I went to visit him in Germany in 2016 and I had told him six months earlier on the phone how I regretted having said some of the things to mom uh when I was a teenager, when I was learning all about those lampshades and shrunken heads and, and what was the other one? All oh, the soap made out of yeah. it. You know, we were learning that in, in junior high school and I was traumatized as a German-Canadian kid and I was, you know, I was bitter and, and traumatized and saying to mom in particular, I say, why didn't you do something to stop those bad Nazis and Hitler doing these things? And, and then she basically just was very quietly said well we didn't know we didn't know you know so so anyway that's what the video was based on if, if any you can still find it you can still find if the listeners want to find some of alfred's videos if you go to a site like our um alt censor censored.org i believe and put in alfred schaefer there will be videos there or go to archive.com there you can still find alfred's videos even though you know the, the the censors are going crazy with censorship and whatnot. But uh-huh. there's there's other videos. There's the the brainwashing series of videos. There's the one that's um, uh, got 1984 in it. Uh, clips out of that excellent little you know warning to the world, or maybe he was projecting and telling the world George Orwell I'm talking about. But um, this what's it called? 2017 plus. Or sorry, what was it called? 1984 plus 17 equals 2017. So Alfred made that in 2017. That I'd say that's one of the better ones. Also, I mean, they're all really good. But there's another one that people should look for. It's um, uh, the the what's the one called, Alfred, where you go in front of the Inquisition and you put you're sort of on the stage and you're facing the Inquisition. Can you just tell us what the title of that one is, Alfred? You're muted. Hang on. ...that we find ourselves in, and we have to use means to get ourselves out of the condition, you know? Uh, and, and, and that's and that's what that... Uh, that was one of my last videos, was uh, understanding and using memes. Yeah.
Yeah, because not only that, but the, the AI and stuff, and we're talking more algorithms as opposed to actual AI, but the algorithms can't process memes. They don't understand what they are. I mean, it's it's a covert way of getting a message out uh, using a screenshot from a, a famous movie or whatever and just having a commentary on it. It's a great thing. But, you know, what gets me now is is that they're really pushing this AI crap. And, and more importantly, is that the most recent um, Mission Impossible that's out right now, uh, which is non-woke, by the way, um, is really showcasing how much of a Skynet situation that could turn into. And that's a reference to the massive computer there in the Terminator. <laughs> so, uh, the, and plus the fact, you got Elon Musk supposedly trying to do uh, his BrainX thing where he's trying to be able to integrate <coughs> human uh, thought patterns with computers. So, I mean, we, we're constantly going through all this stuff. I mean, have we not had enough from pop culture that has told us that this is a dangerous way to go? I mean, either any book from Isaac Asimov, not just iRobot, <coughs> but also um, prime example, um, Mr. Roboto, or the Kilroy was here, but especially the song Mr. Roboto by the band Sticks is a classic example of that. Or even most recently, as far as science fiction goes, uh, besides the Terminator, is Battlestar Galactica. Especially the revision one from uh, 2005 really shows you how the Cylons became self-aware and then decided to um, overthrow their uh, their masters. So, I mean, seriously, they had basically a giant Pearl Harbor Day and wiped out almost all the colonies. And all that's left is like, you know, like a tenth of a percent uh, of, of the, the, the survivors of the colonies trying to flee the Cylons and make it back to Earth. So, I mean, the warning has been there consistently over and over again that when you try to play God and try to create creatures just because you want, don't want to go out and pick strawberries yourself, okay, it's not a good idea. You want to have – in the Jetsons, if you want to have Rosie go and be your, your, your housemaid, whatever, that's a dangerous issue because even in Japan, they have the sex robots. You know, they can be hacked and they can be designed to kill you. I mean, you can be engaging sex with a sex robot and she goes and strangles you. So, I mean, seriously, it's really sick that, first of all, someone could envision to create these creatures and then how easily it could be manipulated to turn on demand. You know, I will say the very, very latest point in time where all of this artificial, we'll call it AI, artificial intelligence, or, or this, you know, this extremely complex technology will completely die on us and leave us to our own uh, abilities and resources is when the when, when 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 this highly complex infrastructure breaks down because the people who are and have inherited it and are supposed to maintain it and fix it are total zombies incapable of anything like that and this is what we're we're heading it's, it's like an airplane you could be in a nice uh, luxury airliner and if the pilot is uh, is 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 completely brain dead or stoned or, or incapacitated or something? How do you fly the plane, right? Yeah, and and, and, the, and the flight trajectory is taking you straight into a mountain. You either get uh, control of, of, of that and, and, and change the flight path, or you will die. Right now, we are headed into the mountain on a with 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 a very luxurious gigantic airplane and if we don't change the trajectory of the flight path that we find ourselves on we will cease to exist it's all this ai and so forth will cease to exist and then people will suddenly find themselves on streets in the city with 
hordes of, of invaders, all of different races, who only have hatred, and and they have learned that whitey is is to blame for everything, and this pure hatred that they feel is the same hatred that the, the Europeans and the rest of the world were conditioned to to have to, 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 to kill the Germans, basically, in, in what we call the Second World War. And this hatred has now been expanded to include the entire white race, and that also explains why the Jews have been gloating since the 1950s about the fact that the destiny of the white race now lies securely in their hands. And they were gloating about the fact that they, they are now witnessing the last generation of white children playing with white children because that is all about to change. And now we see where we have come with this agenda and they have all this stuff with AI and so forth. And these are all just, that's all just designed to control us every single move, you know, in a, in, a, in a horrible George Orwell, you know, fantasy horror film, but that's our reality now. But like I say, um, that, that, ex that, that makes it clear how, 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 uh, extremely important it is for us to, 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 to get all of our people understanding the predicament we're in to get out of this, get out of this, uh, to, 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 um, to immunize themselves from these control words and so forth, understand what's happening, and do whatever needs to be done to take back our world. That's where we're at right now. Well, I, I can tell you what, what, what's, what's really overall happening is it's the South, South Africa on a grand scale. I mean, South Africa is the petri dish and how the globalists want to do the rest of the West. They basically, yes. they got rid of apartheid. And what was the things that led up to the, the abolition of apartheid? Well, you had a lot of pop culture here in the United States are pushing against that, not just the United States, but also Britain. You have people like Peter Gabriel doing the song Biko about Bantu Stephen Biko and it becoming a hit. And then uh, a lot of the, a lot of his music and stuff becomes popular. TV shows like Miami Vice and stuff. And of course, since he was a part of Genesis, Genesis had reorganized themselves to become a big, huge, uh, successful group. So people go and buy their albums and find out, oh, there's another version of them. Go back and they start following these other singers like, oh, wow, it's Peter Gabriel. Here's a song called Biko. Not only that, but you had Lethal Weapon 2, where Danny Glover's got this big old uh, uh, end apartheid sticker on his on his refrigerator. And really, what you think about it, Mel Gibson isn't really the star of the show. It's it's uh, it, it's it's the black family. So I mean, when and then it made the South African guys in there look like Nazis. I mean, they actually uh, you know talk about master race and all this other crap, which is interesting because. The National Socialists never talked about them being the master race. The only ones that have ever propagated themselves as the master race are the Jews, and that's going back to some Jewish Congress uh, things, go back in the 1880s. So, I mean, like I said, I think Dennis Wise's films is a great primer of what's really what's going on, as well as Europa, The Last Battle, really gets into the, 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 the crux of it even more, but really showcases the last several parts, just how integrated and how determined the Jews are to destroy white Christian Europe and all of the West because this is their idea. They want to push misogynation. They want to push all this race mixing. They want to destroy morality. That way they're easily subject, uh, subjugated. And and look at the basic attitude even all white people have here. It's like if you go up and you have more than two children, Alfred, you're basically frowned upon. It's like, oh, wow, because you, know, you have to have a minimum of three children to grow a race. Okay, minimum. But yet you have more than two children, and it's like, 
Oh wow, man! Well, we got four or five children. Wow, man! You need to cut that off, dude. I'm can, can I? Yeah, let me just say something about that. You know, it's like uh, I know I, I had uh, we we really did uh, have concern for our pop uh, our planet and so forth. And 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 it was, I, I know I was completely in that mindset. Oh, we have to hold back on how many children we have and so forth. But I'll tell you one thing. Now that it's becoming clear that that was all part of a that that we were we felt responsible for you not not to have this pop this uh, uh, the, our Earth overpopulated, but we did not hold back to allow the surplus uh, uh, sludge from the third world to swamp our countries. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, and, and and that is not why we held back. And once the entire uh, dimensions uh, of, of of the the entire dimensions of this uh, attack on on humanity becomes clear. Holy smokes! There's no words to describe what is going to happen to the Jew and this incredibly evil, vile, satanic plan to 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 ex like, like like it says in their own code of conduct. Uh, says the best of the goyim deserve to be slaughtered. And they've been doing this for thousands of years. Now it's also coming out more and more how it, during the Inquisition through the Vatican, which is you know the, uh, uh, sort of the uh, uh, outpost of the Jew, uh, it's just a, a department of the Jewish uh, you know operating system, and millions of people were burned at the stake, so to speak. And, and you know, for the for the property confiscated, or, or, or people who were who were starting to figure out too much would be killed, you know, called a witch and so forth, which is exactly the same as what's happening now with all the crust denying and so forth. I mean, yeah, how is that any different than Galileo trying to prove that the Earth was round? I mean, look, look how the the Church threatened to excommunicate him because of the fact that he actually thought outside the box. <laughs> exactly. Anyway, I'll uh, jump in and just comment. I've made some notes along the way. Um, earlier, you were talking about some of these documentaries. I'd just like to add one for the listener to pay attention to and, and watch this one and share it around if you haven't already seen it. It's called You Are Amalek. It's a three-part series that's just over four hours in total. How do you, you spell that? Amalek. The, the host of that one really, really explains the Jewish mindset and really lays out you know what's what's happened and what's going on so that's another one also when you're talking about apartheid and how we were conditioned when when i was in school and then through all not just through school but through all the media boy were we ever conditioned to think of apartheid as the most evil 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 system on the face of this earth and you know when we look at the situation in South Africa now and what's going on, I'll tell you something. The black people there were in much, much, much uh, better position under this system of apartheid, and everybody was doing much, much, much better. Right now, it's just a criminal state gone run amok and an open call for murdering the whites that recently... There was uh, somebody, who was it, in a big stadium of thousands of people. We, they, they got thousands of people to chant this song, you know, kill the boar, kill the boar, kill the white farmer, kill the white farmer. This was going on really recently. They're just chanting this all together. And, you know, they chant, they get into a hypnotic state. Yes. You can guess, you know, how that affects them all. They just have impunity to go out and murder, actually first torture and then murder these white farmers. It's happening by the thousands and thousands. 
And then when the white people are, some of them trying to leave, they cannot leave. It's, it's un, unreal what's going on there. And really, we should be looking at South Africa to see what our future is if we do not put a stop to this, if we do not get this right. I, I, that's one of the things I've been advocating for. Like, I, I've actually been writing um, some talking points for local council meetings so I can start speaking out of my local uh, city and um, county council meetings. The simple fact that you may not like what I have to say, but I've got the First, first Amendment. I'm going to say it. I'm going to tell you what's coming. And I want it to be a testament because the fact that I'm giving I'm giving you a clearing call of what's about to happen. And we've already seen it in other countries and how many sophisticated countries, of course, most of them are socialist. So they're able to slide in even easier is uh, Britain and France, and all those other places. But yet how some people have actually managed to fight them back. I mean, you have the uh, the you have the uh, yellow vest uh, uh, protests in France. You've had other people in other countries in Ireland. There's a big, huge backlash in Ireland saying, saying basically the theme is Ireland is full and basically we want to get them the hell out of here. But we're seeing all this all this uh, criminal activity go around. They just go in and just, you know, just like rob stores. I just saw a video again this morning of a black guy in New York City was trying to take stuff off his shelves. And basically another black guy and the Indian guy was beating shit out with basically a shillelagh. And I thought that was great. I said, now, can you imagine if it was a white guy that was actually doing retaliation on this black guy? Oh, man, that Mayor Adams would be all up in arms. Like, oh, man, you beat a black man. I'm like, dude, he's a thief. He's a criminal. And he basically said, screw you. So I'm like, no, sir, not my store, dude. And, and, and just the, like I talk about on my show here, the general rules of living in a working class neighborhood where I, where I grew up, uh, we take care of our stuff. And you, you just don't step on that. You don't park in front of a house. You don't run your bike across our grass. You don't cut through our yards. You don't piss in my yard. I mean, these are things that people are forgotten about because this younger generation has been told to just shut up and take it. Where a lot of us older guys are like, uh-uh, that don't fly. Not on my watch. And so we have to set an example. Just like I said in that the Ice Cube interview with Tucker Carlson, he said he stood up against the vax. He said, I'm not taking it. He turned out a $9 million payday for a movie because they were going to force vax him. Now look at Jamie Foxx. He is completely foobarred from taking the vax. He didn't want to take it, but to keep working, he had to. And so he wanted to set an example for his children to say, look, there's times you have to stand up and just say what's right. Now, I've always I've listened to Ice Cube for a long time. I have a lot of respect for him as an artist. I think the guy's very talented, and he speaks his mind through his music. What I want to see is more right-wing guys speak through their music. For example, Ted, Ted Nugent talks about it on stage, on, on podcasts, and on radio shows, and in books, okay? He doesn't necessarily write songs about it as much, unless it's pro-Second Amendment like Come and Take It or some other stuff. But generally speaking is we should be praising Ted Nugent because of the fact that he's actually has the gahanas to go out there and just actually speak his mind and say why he thinks he's right. Or a lot of these left-wing artists like Madonna, when Pussy Riot is over there in Russia doing their escapades in the Christian churches over there, and, and to the point where even Putin couldn't even say the name of the group because it was so offensive. And they eventually jailed them. Two of the members got out fairly quick, but the other two spent some decent time. But, uh, and, and again, Madonna's out there going, yeah, we support them. And she turns around on the back of her costume and says, Pussy Riot. So what? Why aren't the right wing doing that? Why aren't right wing artists going up and say, hey, you know, 
I support the J6. I think everybody that got arrested on that, as, as well as President Trump, need to be stand up for. You know, I'm going to go out there. I'm going to think, yeah, J6, man, these guys are political prisoners. Oh, no, they're afraid to do that because they might get boycotted or the, the, a venue might cancel their thing. Like Megadeth, uh, prime example, thrash metal band from the 80s. He used to come on Alex Jones' show fairly regularly. They're, they're, they actually influence each other a lot. But I've seen a, a Megadeth has uh, been a little more careful about doing stuff like that because some of their gigs are getting canceled. They try to cancel uh, two of Ted Nugent's gigs. And basically he says, you can't cancel me. Screw you. So as soon as they, uh, a gig in Alabama got canceled, he booked another one right, right then and there. Same with Kid Rock. He says, you can't cancel me. I'm my own boss. Ice-T. You know, a black rapper and metal guy. They try to say, yeah, we cancel, try to cancel him because he did a skit on House of the Dragon on Saturday Night Live. It's like, well, we're going to cancel us too. He's like, he's like, excuse my French, but he's just like, you know what? Them fuckers can't cancel me. They've been trying to cancel me 30 years. Fuck them. They're not going to cancel Ice T because, in fact, they know he's water runs off his back like a duck. We have to get that same mentality. We need to say, hey, Ursa Alverback being jailed is unacceptable in Deutschland. Alfred Schaefer being jailed for speaking his mind and just trying to educate people. Unacceptable in Deutschland. We have to get that those people in the crowd and get them out in the streets and start rallying and say, free Alfred, free Alfred. We have to really start getting to that because if we don't, everybody's out there bitching about George Floyd. What about Julian Assange? What about Edward Snowden? You know? Every time I growing up, I always see political uh, prisoners and people holding up signs like in those Islamic countries, especially if somebody dies, you know, they're holding up signs, uh, pictures of them and say, yeah, free this guy, free this guy, blah, 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 blah. Why aren't we doing the same damn thing? Because we're afraid. We're afraid they might say, oh, no, you can't protest. We need to do it. That's hate speech. Oh, no. And you know what my attitude is? I hold up a middle finger to it and said, here, censor this. Because that's just my basic attitude. That's in my DNA. I'm a natural rebel. No one's going no to tell me what to do. So we need to start stepping up and say, hey, if, if you're in Deutschland and you listen to this program, and I know we've got pretty good listenership in there, we need to start saying, hey, Ursula Averbeck, leave her alone. She needs to be free. Alfred Schaefer, he needs to be left alone. He needs to be freed. We need to get this thing that our people, those that are willing to step up, need to be uh, treated as heroes, not as belligerents, not as blasphemous against the government. Because now, once you allow those activists to be jailed, incarcerated, or even worse, then if they can do that to them, they're going to do that to you. That's what the whole social credit score is about. If you allow Alfred Schaefer to be uh, incarcerated, what's going to stop them from coming after you? Remember how they talk? Right. You know, Sonny, that's great. I, I love it. Everything you're saying, it's, it's fantastic. Yeah, you're right. Oh, sometimes when I hear people say stuff like, Oh, oh, I don't mind about the surveillance because I'm not doing anything wrong. <laughs> and I have to laugh because the restrictions and rules of what we're allowed to do or not allowed to do are ever more so that people are under a hypnotic spell, actually, where they actually think that's okay for somebody else to dictate their life to them. And they think, well, that's just fine. Somehow we have been put under a spell, and I'm saying the generic we, there are many people like you and us who have that streak in them that don't do very well but being, you know, dictated to our every move and when we're allowed to breathe and when we're not allowed to breathe. But yeah, it's, the people are actually, 
there is a shift going on. And maybe, Alfred, you should tell Sonny and the listeners how it was in the last couple of weeks of your jail sentence, because I don't think you, you mentioned that yet on this on this show here to Sonny um, yes. and the, the harvest that you pulled in. And this is after all those other lottery wins that you got in jail, which I just loved how you expressed, you know, everything that happened in a way, oh, this was another lottery win, and you had something like 13 or 14 of them or whatever, and then the last couple of weeks in jail. Why don't you talk about yeah. that a little bit? Okay, first of all, I was I spent four years in prison from uh, 2018 until uh, 2022. Uh, uh, so I've been, I've been out just for over a year now. And the real bonanza, the real uh, harvest, I call it, I actually pulled that harvest in in the last several weeks in that prison because I was there during the entire Corona pandemic, you know, the, the this nonsense, nonsensical Corona time. I spent a year and a half in isolation mode because I because of my because if, if they let me uh, mer, uh, mingle with the other prisoners, then nobody would have worn a mask anymore, and nobody would have gotten the vaccination because I was informing everybody as much as I could, you know, about what this stuff was. Mm -hmm. And uh, and at the end, it's it's so interesting because at the end, just just three weeks before. Uh, I was released. They had lifted the mask mandate and they let me out of the isolation mode so I could mix with the other prisoners again. And just in the last several weeks, I just had was hearing more and more from the wardens and the prisoners. They're all saying, like with one voice, Schaefer was right. Schaefer was right about all the stuff that I was been, been, been trying to tell them. And then it was interesting because when I was released out of prison, it was almost like I had gone into a time capsule and went back a, a several years because outside the prison, everybody was, not everybody, but the, the, the majority was still zombies. And it's a brainwashing, yeah. Yeah, and in prison, I had the feeling that, uh, that there was a massive sea change in attitude where people because of the um the the, the horrific you know the, the horrific uh, uh pandemic you know corona mandate stuff that they had to do and so forth and, and and people were all waking up and they all seemed to understand what was going on then i came out of prison and i'd see people even though they didn't have to wear masks they'd still wear masks and so forth and i had a hard time holding back because when in prison when i you know I, I was always when when um, when they'd walk across the court the, the when I had my sixty minutes of fresh air in the courtyard, for example. Sometimes they'd have a, a line of uh, a ward with a bunch of prisoners and then a ward, and they'd go from across the the, the field where I was had, had my fresh air. And they'd all have their masks on, and I'd always shout at them, you know, "Hey, you gotta stick your finger up your ass. The Corona snakes like to come up through the back door. You know, the mask alone isn't gonna help you." <laughs> and I, I, you know, and I never stopped doing that, and, and you know, and when I, when I, my mask would, if I had to, you know, was moved from one place in the prison to another area, and then you'd have to put, put on a mask up, my nose was always outside, and then when the guard would say, Japer, put your mask up, and I'd put it up on my forehead, and they'd say, is that better? I mean, if they're making an ass of us, I just make an ass back to them. And, and, um, and then, if, and, and these people, these guards who were, who were, you know, being, being like, like little tyrants, you know, trying to, dictates me what to do. Even these guards all seem to have come around at the end and were saying, 
stuff like Schaefer was right. Schaefer was right. See, and then and that is happening outside now in, in this whole, in this planet Earth prison system. People everywhere are beginning to understand something is very, very foul here, very, very sick. And this is this is our time has come now. Our time has come where people are now receptive to stuff they did not want to hear just not that long ago. So anyway, when, that's, uh, when the when the pain level gets really high, which the pain level in jail is generally higher, or the people who are there, they might, they're they there for a variety of reasons, sure, but somehow or other, their lives have been more painful than the general population, and so they are much more receptive to understanding and learning, learning and understanding the truth. Now the pain level for everybody is getting very high, and the insanity of seeing that their children are being coached in schools behind the parents' backs to, to, to think that they have been born in the wrong body and then they, they are led by these so-called counselors and teachers in school to, you know, go by a different pronoun and a different name and don't worry, we won't tell your parents. In other words, making the parents the enemy, separating the children from the enemy and it, it's and then going on with you know hormones and and mutilations basically without parents involvement knowledge consent or anything and again making it like the parents are the enemy and they they have to pro, quote unquote protect children from their parents uh, in this this diabolical system the, the the public fool system or the public school system so public fool system that's well said. That, that, that's well said, Monica. <laughs> that's, that's well said. The public fool system. That is great. Well, and it has become that. I used to be a big defender of public school, but that's partially when I was still asleep, but partially because it, I thought it used to be all right, but now I realize in retrospect, no, they were softening us up and, and were, you know, basically leading us to the slaughter by all the lies they taught us in school. They really didn't teach us much truth. They might have mixed a little bit of truth in with, but now they've even cut out the few good things that school offers, stuff like music programs and art programs that they basically, that's the first to get cut in a school system. Like some kids around here, and I live in a small town where things are relatively wholesome still. And I just say relatively because it, there's an, in, it's, it's creeping in here as well. It, it, for example, the principal of the, both schools is, is a gay. I, I don't know who this is, but that's what I've heard. But anyway, they, they don't have music at all anymore. I've just talked with somebody who just finished grade two. Mm -hmm. She has not had a, any music instruction. I mean, normally in grade one and two, you'd have tons of music in the classroom. I mean, the brain, we're wired for music. It's, it's, uh, it's as basic as food to our brain development. They, they've cut that all out. So anyway, I'm kind of going on a tangent here, but the pain level, back to the, the, the that subject of, when the pain level increases and then the people who have not been completely zombified are seeing that there's something really, really wrong with when they mutilate children and, and all these children. I mean, even 10 years ago, you couldn't have told people that, yeah, they're going to do sex change operations on children under, you know, before puberty and all this stuff. It's just uh, unbelievable insanity. Well, yeah, this is the time. 
this is the time. This is when people get rattled out of their sleep. Well, now that, but it, it's getting really sick out there. I mean, Alex Jones recently has been really harping on the fact that um, that they've got this procedure now where they could take flesh from a girl's forearm and try to generate a, a penis out of it. And they showed a procedure on, and he, he talked about it, but never showed a thing. He had a, he had a lady on there the other day named Miriam Grossman, and she's put a book out talking about this, uh, the, you know, the transition stuff, and it's called uh, um, uh, something to transnation. I, I forget the exact title of the book in front of me. But anyways, it was pretty powerful. She she was really showcasing the stuff that's going on here, the how they think, and then and at one particular point, he was showing a video. He found a video on YouTube on showing how they do it, where they showed this girl's forearm, and you can tell they had a tattoo on. So the tattoo went down just past the elbow, and and two thirds of the forearm flesh had been taken off, and so you can almost see the bones of her forearm there. And then they 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 showed a graphic video on how they basically uh, run this tube, run the flesh around it, and try to make a mock penis. And then they got two balls, how they actually try to make it look like testes. I mean, it was really amazing. And then it showed three pubescent girls where they had just started to develop breasts and it completely had a full double mastectomy. I mean, you can see the scar tissue going across the chest. I mean, it was absolutely yeah. disgusting. And I was just going, to, to me, he's talked about it, but to actually show pictures of girls that have happened, had that happen to them and actually even showed some surgical procedure of them trying to do this, it, to yeah. me, that finally hit home because I'm like, you could tell somebody what it's like, but until you actually see graphic images, I mean, I was like, oh, wow, you got me. Well, Are you freaking kidding me? I mean, to me, and her underscoring what was going on and how they're brainwashing kids to think that this is okay. To me, that was probably one of. Many, go ahead. How many times do you hear, and Alfred also in Germany, how many times do you hear anything in the mainstream media? coming from kids who then regretted their yes. decisions. Yes. Regretted their decisions. Or kids who then commit suicide because they can't bear not only the physical pain, but just the, the agony of they their bodies have been mutilated. Yes. And what you just described, that's absolutely true. This is what's going on. They're trying to pretend that they can create the genitals of the opposite sex and just because you have put it into the little tender young minds of these kids that you were born in the wrong body just because maybe you like to play with dolls instead of playing with little toy trucks so you're born in the wrong body well we could do something about that and then of course those kids get all the attention they get lots of this attention whereas straight white male is now the enemy and straight white male and and boys feel this and as let alone adult men but boys feel this that somehow they're they're no good for nothing, right? I mean, I'm kind of getting slang here in my way of talking, but they're just, they feel this, that they're not good for anything, and basically they're bad, and, you know, I mean, kids going home in grade one crying to their parents, am I bad because I'm white? You know, this kind of thing, this critical race. Well, what, what they're doing is they're taking Hot Wheels from boys and giving them high heels instead. I mean, that's what's turned into. <laughs> yeah. But, again, does the mainstream media ever negatives no way not only that but let's go back to dennis wise and and go into the actual words that the fear i talked about he said if we lose this war he said there will be a degeneracy over this thing that will make 1920s berlin look like recess i mean seriously there, there's a there's a chapter in that video where they talk about 1920s berlin 
and obviously um, even major actresses like Marlene Dietrich, who was a known bisexual, you know, and and uh, to escape from Germany, she came over here. And, and even when John Wayne, who's considered a, a major alpha male symbol for our youth, especially in the 50s, 60s, and 70s, some of his early performances were with Marlene Dietrich, such as the uh, 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 Cafe... Uh, Cafe 7 or Center 7. I forget what it was. They had two movies that had Marlene Dietrich with John Wayne as a co-lead and, and try to make it look like she's some real hot, you know, Hollywood, you know, starlet and this, that, and the other, not even knowing her past. And, and what I thought was really great about that section was it showed that when the, when the National Socialists came to power, that they actually made a point that this particular building that was known for all this debauchery became National Socialist Headquarters in Berlin, that they totally took this building and, and made it for a positive. And I was like, wow, that's a nice middle finger to the degenerates and the Jews out there that basically we just took this building over and made it our HQ. It's no different than Muslims creating a mosque near an incident that happened to show that basically this is our colonial flag. We own this place now. So how is it any different than Muslims doing mosques by ground zero? If supposedly it was an Islamic assault against the the uh, the, the, the capitalist West, because we know more and more we look at it, it's an inside job, you know. It's, it's well, no, I would say it's an outside job. It was Israel that did it with their tentacles in the United States. It was that's clear as as, as day from night that it was Israel, the Jews, the Jews did not allow it. Not only that, but who, who was who was in charge of world uh, world trade security? Marvin Bush. Who's Marvin Bush? He's a nephew of the president, George W. Bush. Well, you can call it an inside job, but anybody on the inside, they were either Jews or completely controlled by Jews. It was Israel, the Mossad, and the Jews in America, and there are many, and they all swear allegiance to Israel, by the way. They're yes. The ones who are politicians. It's the Jews. It's 100% a Jewish operation. I think we have to make that very clear. Like, when I hear that thing about it was an inside job, I, I right away want to... Um, put a um, caveat on that and say, well, maybe you could call it an outside job or whatever. If you call it an inside job, you got to clarify who you're talking about. It was a Jewish operation, 100%. Yeah, the dance. Part of it was a Jewish operation. Yeah, the dancing Israelis. Yeah, yeah, the whole thing. We, we don't have to talk about that because it's all, it's, it, that, that's a, just 100% clear. It's a completely Jewish operation from top to bottom. And uh, it was the it was the way that the Jews said thanks to the Americans for helping to bomb Germany back into the Stone Age uh, in what we call the Second World War. You know, you go to bed with the Jew, uh, that's the reward you get. You know, you, you get a little nine eleven, you get the murder of John F. Kennedy. And, and oh yeah, they're all they're all connected. But one thing I have to say on the right, though, I have to give a uh, tip of the hat to Kyle Hunt. Uh, his documentary Hellstorm has really, really opened the doors about the bombings, the, the, the mass carpet bombings of Dresden, Berlin, Hamburg, and many other cities because of the fact that we, we now have actually, when it comes to the, in, in the middle of February, we make a point to really bring out the remembrance of Dresden because of the fact that um, what they did there, I mean, of all cities, I mean, it's like the cradle of artistic creativity of Deutschland was systematically wiped from the face of the earth. It had no yeah, military yeah. significance whatsoever, but they were determined 
determined to wipe all those people out. And and not only that, but the brainwashing still continues, uh, Monica and Alfred, because I've had coworkers, I've had conversations where they literally get this. They get this look in their eyes like, yeah, we, and we, then we bombed the Germans. And this and said, we should have wiped them all out. I mean, seriously, that's the mentality that they have. And it's like, yeah. And it's like, yeah, Eisenhower fucking almost did that, asshole. And they look at it like, what? It's like, you don't know about the Eisenhower death camps, do you? Eisenhower down to death camps? Bullshit. They had German soldiers out there in the open, completely exposed, with not even a foxhole to take a piss in. Our dad was one of them. Our dad was one of them. Did he survive? Oh, yeah. Well, that's why we're here. <laughs> oh, I, I don't know if he, you, he, you guys were already there before that. And then... He, he... No, no, no. We're not that old, Sonny. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, the point the point is, people really need to know about the Eisenhower death camps. Because as much as Eisenhower uh, tried to warn the people about the military industrial complex on the eve of uh, Kennedy's inaugural, uh, you know, maybe actually had some uh, regret and realized that, wow... We went really a little too far with this shit because the fact that we really created this, this monster machine that just won't stop. Uh, maybe he had some regrets. I don't know. But the bottom line is, he's, he, 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 he did. He, he's, he's half Jew. They, matter of fact, even at the West Point, he was known as the Swiss Jew. Interesting, yeah. But yeah, you have to understand that the intention was not just to defeat Germany, but to exterminate Germany. They wanted to, ex they thought with 20,000 doctors, they could sterilize all German men. They wanted to, they wanted to murder all the German people after hostilities ceased. That was the liberation. Oh, we won't even talk about the Israelis that tried to poison the, the, the Germans with the bread. Remember that? Exactly. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And, and then they, they interviewed uh, that's one of the really old farts there in Israel about his role there. And this is what does he regret doing? Uh, what does he regret being involved in that plan? And he said, "Well, I regret that it didn't work properly." Yeah, with, with clenched hands, with 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 the with the merchant meme, he actually had the clenched hands. <laughs> it's, it's just, a, a, a just this is the Jews are the most evil thing that anybody could imagine. It's beyond imagination how evil they are. People cannot begin to imagine it because they cannot imagine themselves doing that. It is, it is their psychopathic insanity and they are now at the helm of all of our institutions. You know, they think they have the, this earth under their control. But if they continue and we don't have the power to stop them, then we will cease to exist. It will be our own extermination. Well, let, let's, un let's underscore that, Alfred. Let's underscore that. What was the whole reason why people went to Dresden in the first place? They were trying to escape from the Red Army. They knew what was coming. They already heard the stories and the rumors. And, and, and not only that, but we don't even talk about the... the the Mongols that were incorporated in there, that even the Russians feared these guys because it's like these guys are like absolute savages, man. When they get into a town, that town ceases to exist. I mean, that's like the Black Plague of the Red Army was was in their caboose. So, I mean, that's the whole thing. If anything, anyone listens to broadcast, you must watch the documentary Hellstorm because of the fact that what the Reds did to the entire Eastern Bloc, not even the Caden Forest Massacre, but the Eastern Bloc and what they did to, to, especially to the German women, this is their ultimate plan. That set a precedent that, that the Allies swept that on the rug, that they said nothing else about it because they didn't want to engage. Now, Pat knew 
that they were the enemy. He hated the Russians. And when he realized that, that we fought the wrong army, that's why he set a regiment, a battalion of Germans under his command, just in case we had to hold off the, the, the Russians. I mean, he knew what was going to, that's why they took him out. But the big thing is that set a precedent. So between what the Red Army had done in World War II, what's going on in South Africa is what's happening in the West now. You go to Sweden. It was one of the most peaceful countries in the world. It is now the rape capital of the world. How in the hell does that happen? Well, they want to make sure they wipe out the Northern European women because they're arguably the most beautiful of all Europa. Not to mention redheads come from Scandinavia. They are the smallest demographic in the entire world. And, and so they're being wiped out. We see it here. We see with how uh, miscegenation and, and mixed marriage is okay especially in Section 8 housing projects, Monica and Offer, we, we see that in many cases you walk into them. And my mom was a Section 8 property manager for 25 years. I mean, she tells you stories as a taxpayer, just absolutely turn your stomach inside out. But I've seen in many cases you see a heavy set redhead always winds up with some black guy. And then, of course, if she's got any type of money coming in or works part time, he sits on his dead ass tells her, hey, bitch, you better bring home my 40 my blunt before you come home tonight. I mean, seriously. And then the, the, the domestic abuse that goes on in many of those relationships, it's absolutely astounding. I, I watch videos on, you, on Twitter all the time where they show black guys beating the hell out of these white women and even their babies, their mixed babies, they'll throw them clear across the room into the television set. I'm sitting there just absolute horror. I'm going, where are the freaking cops on this? If that was a white guy doing that to a, a, a black woman and a black baby, they'd be all over it. But whites don't act like that, typically. And then all those things that you say, Sonny, are absolutely true, but let's look at what the mainstream media portrays. You only hear about white-on-black crime as low as it is, and it's so rare, and sometimes they got to manufacture their big events like the George Floyd event that was a all the, they, they make they make all the whites Hispanic. I mean, you look at FBI criminal statistics. Majority of the quote unquote white crimes are listed. When they show pictures of the of the mugshots, they're all Hispanic. Anyway, what my point was going to be was that all this black on white crime that is going on, and there is a lot of it. A lot. They do not cover that in the mainstream media, and they still to this day make it sound in the mainstream media. Like, there's this huge problem of white-on-black crime, like violent crime, whereas the, that is the least of the, the uh, statistical cohort of, of violent crime is coming from white-on-black. So black-on-black black is really high, and then black-on-white is really high. White uh, violent crime is generally lower anyway. And then what about police um Deaths, like, uh, or death of the, of violent criminals by police. Guess what? The lowest cohort to get killed by police is blacks. You know why? Because the police are deathly afraid of of uh, them being the ones who's going to be skewered by the media and by you know they'll they'll get criminalized if, if even if it's in a, a dire situation of self defense or whatever. Or there's you know a, a black criminal that's. Oh, yeah, Rodney if King 2.0. If that black criminal gets killed, you watch out. That white cop is going to get fired. They're going to get yes. pulled through the, the, the mud and the slime of public opinion and whatnot because yeah. that's how it works. 
Yeah, Rodney King 2.0. If you watch the whole video, Rodney King was resisting arrest. He was on drugs. He was attacking the cops. And that's when they finally said they had enough of him. They beat his ass. And the only thing they showed was the actual clip of the beating. They didn't show you what was leading up to that. You know? Right. Right. Exactly. So these, these rare cases of, you know, a, a black gets killed by white cops. Oh, my goodness. They, they create a riot over it. And make it look like, oh, it's just a bunch of racist whites who just hate on blacks and that's all they do. No, they don't show the background and they don't show anything else, no context, nothing. So they skew the picture so that, you know, we've got relatives and family members who, who believe all this stuff and think that, oh, the whites are so violent and they're so racist against blacks. Well, <laughs> I mean, the media tells you how to think. And so that's how they, they want us to think that. And then the guilt complex, the guilt cult. And this is how we've been put under a spell, the collective hypnotic spell to, um, you know, let all these invaders in. I mean, the whole thing is all connected, right? And, and back to the population thing, you know, we were convinced that we better have less children because, you know, we're, there's too many people on the earth. And then they say, oh, well, we need to Im get migrants, immigrants in to, to for the workforce and now oh we have to feel sorry for the refugees so we're gonna let them in i mean it's just a recipe for a disaster and it's a recipe for the end of our people unless we wake up and get this right and you know last in first out and we can do it humanely we can do this in a civilized manner if we basically bring a stop to this and wake up we can uh you know get things right another important point, uh, Sonny, is before when you were talking about the Russians and what the Russians did to the Germans, we have to also be more uh, concise there and say, you know, the Russians had been traumatized, massively traumatized by the Jews uh, ever since 1917 in the, you know, the communist revolution there, and they were, uh, they were demoralized and, and instigated by the Jews. To, to do whatever you know atrocities were committed, but the real Russians they, they had no grudge against the Germans. So the, right, it, it's a little you know. It's, so we have those. The Bolsheviks were all Jews, and, and Russia was a was a traumatized. Uh, they were not themselves. That's also the reasons why why the Russians have to come clean on their whole interpretation, official interpretation of their great. Father, the, 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 the war for their fatherland, as they call well, it. Well, not, not only that, Alfred, let, let's go back a little bit. What was the name of the guy from the, um, was it for the Alternative for Deutschland, that was an older gentleman that basically said that he was proud of the German uh, troops in World War II because they, they were great fighters. They fought for their country regardless, and he got chastised for that. How dare you stand up for the for the German uh, soldier and, and, and the SS? And I was like, these guys were great soldiers. And, and I've seen many videos where they've had former German and Russians that had fought each other in various battles who come together years later, decades later, and go, wow, they have nothing but respect and regard for each other because they said, even the Russians go, yes. and I got to tell you what, man, you guys almost whooped our ass. I mean, you guys were really tough to beat. I mean, it's like any competition, you always have regard for an adversary because you realize, man, that guy almost kicked my ass. I mean, anyone that has any innate competition or competitive streak whether it's sports, war, whatever, you're going to realize that, wow, man, that was tough, man. That, that, I, almost, I almost couldn't beat that guy. And if anything, you might hold out your hand and say, hey, man, good fight, dude. 
I mean, there are many people, that, and, and they said the Civil War was the last war fought by gentlemen. And I believe that because of the fact that a, a lot of those European traits are gone now in warfare. So, I mean, that's a whole other animal because of the fact that um, the, the days of fighting each other in different uniforms are pretty much non-existence anymore. It's basically fighting each other on skin color or philosophy. You know? Well, look at how look at the warfare now, how it's, how it's fought. The Jews are telling us we need to get a vaccination for some corona stuff, and they poison us to death. The eternal poisoners of the wells. I mean, you don't get any dirtier, more foul uh, treachery than that. And getting the kids injected, getting the kids confused about their own gender. I mean, Well, even worse, Alfred, the level- they do that to our soldiers. They already pre-vaccinate them with all this crap. So that way, when they leave service... Um, if they ever decide, hey, you know what? Uh, I don't think this is a good war, man. I, I think there's some bogus stuff going on here. And as soon as you start talking about it, well, they find ways. All of a sudden, I mean, l- look at the church hearings in the '70s. They talk about the heart, the the uh, the heart attack gun. I mean, they got a picture of Barry Goldwater holding up this pistol and says, "Oh yeah, I can aim this at somebody and give you a heart attack." That's what happened to uh, Andrew Breitbart. Yeah, yeah. So, so this is the the, the warfare, the, the the moral code, uh, what do you want to call it? That the code of ethics, or whatever you want to call it, for warfare is gone right down into the gutter. It is absolutely just, it is non-existent. It is just pure evil. Yeah, and, I and, mean, and, especially when it comes to, to our medical staff. You know, the, a lot they took a Hippocratic Oath to do no harm. I mean, I'll give you a classic example. When they were trying to settle Australia as well as uh, certain islands in the Caribbean and stuff like that, prime example – the movie Captain Blood with Errol Flynn, I think it was like 1941 or something like that. Um, you know, uh, Captain Peter Blood was actually attending to French soldiers um, who had been injured, okay? Because it's a Hippocratic oath to to help people that have been hurt. And then, of course, the, the British guy comes in and says, oh, you've been, uh, you've been uh, uh, lending aid to the enemy. He's like, no, sir, I've taken an oath that I'm supposed to, I'm a healer. I'm not a, I'm not a fighter. And it's like, don't be freaking a flinch at me. He's like, actually, it's Latin, you know. <laughs> but I mean, the thing was, is they convicted him on basically treason of uh, aiding and abetting the enemy. And it's like, and then they sent him to the Caribbean island. Thankfully, since he was a doctor and the governor of that particular island had gout and some other issues, he was able to offer his, his uh, medical expertise and was able to uh, uh, get a little bit of um, privileges, you know. And so he was able to try to set himself up so he could try to escape later on. But think about that for a second. If he didn't have a skill and he was just convicted of whatever, you know, he's screwed. He's basically an indentured servant for seven plus years. I mean, I think it's funny how Australia was basically colonized as a penal colony, and yet they've allowed their own government to treat them as prisoners. Yeah, I mean, like, yeah. This, this, I mean, at the end of the day, this is now this struggle for survival of not only the white race, but all of civilization on this planet and, and even as adolf hitler said that if the jew wins this war talking back you know world war ii he says then the planet will eventually become a barren of humanity of, of civilization you know like it was long before mankind came on came around this is this is a real struggle for our very survival and if we lose it that's it goodbye i i, I think i think the great thing about that is is that we really see how much of a influential leader Hitler was because of the fact that he was a head of state and you look at the things that he had done it's like it's, it's what any head of state would have done who's a nationalist who, who defends his people and his culture 
And, and um, you see all the peace treaties that he did before, after the beginning, and, and even into later part of the war, trying to uh, do try to avoid war as much as possible. Even Leon de Grel said, you know, why did you do this? He's like, I absolutely did not want to have a war. I was trying to avoid it at all costs because he knew what would happen to the German people. And But he said, but if there's a war that's going to come, then let it come because we're going to fight it. So at least he was somewhat ready for it. Here with Biden we have right now, if we if China decide, hey, we're, you know what, we're going to go with a shooting war with the United States, I seriously wonder if we would even last very long. The only thing that save us is the very thing that um, the, the the Japanese realized why they would never invade the West Coast. He said, uh, Yamamoto said there would be a sniper behind every blade of grass because of our Second Amendment. So we still had that defense. But once once you take away the the, the, the police, the last line of defense of a, a representative republic, then it's every man for himself. And then it's going to turn into the freaking purge, man. I mean, it's going to be... Like that on it won't be one day. It'll be 365. Yeah. So, you know, back to what you were saying about Hitler, and I, I want to spend a, a minute or two talking about Adolf Hitler because I see over and over again, even among our side of people, like the people who have woken up about most things, but there's still all this false disinformation going around about Hitler. You know, oh, was he... Being funded, who is he being funded by? By the Rothschild, and oh, he was a Rothschild himself, and all these this absolute crap, bull crap, which is put out there. It's sort of seeded into the populations to to bring the, him down, like even amongst the truth tellers. So we have to guard against falling into that trap. Like Hitler was an exceptional man. I would say he was probably the one man, you know, the, most, the greatest man since 2,000 years, and he was so exceptional that they just have to keep on demonizing him, and by they, I mean the Jews, but they plant all these seeds of disinformation that, so people, even amongst our truth-telling side, get fooled by that, and I just, yeah, I just wanted to bring that up, because... He was—he really was such a great man who cared about his people, loved his people. He, he spent his all his life force, his life energy on trying to save his people. Now, now, but he and, said he was going to do that, Monica. He said that, especially in yeah. the first major speech in '33 at the Sports Flash. He said specifically, he says, "Give me four years, and I'll—I will prove to you. And if in four years it don't work, then I will leave just as I came." But the bottom line is. He said he was there for the German people. He did not come here for reward. He did not come here for a paycheck. He came there out of duty. And 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 I watch a lot of his speeches, and I just sit there and go, you know, when, if you want to compare it to a, an era here, I look at a lot of his speeches and I go, how is he different than the Dixiecrats? A lot of the Dixiecrats from the 60s that were pro-Southern, that's like, we don't want all this civil rights crap going on down here and all these Blacks getting uppity and, and starting all this crap and just just making a mess of things. How is it any different than listen to Strom Thurmond, who was one of the longest uh, uh, seated senators in the United States history? I mean, seriously, it's like, yeah, even as a kid, when I didn't know shit from Shinola about politics, I'd watch these videos and I'm reading these, I'm reading these translations and go, how can you disagree with anything he says? And, and he, I don't know what it is. Maybe it's my, my Deutsche blood. But I could tell you this, every time I watch those videos, even as a child, 
I just have this insatiable urge to want to salute him. There's just something about Hitler that just makes you go, wow, man, that was a great man. I mean, every now and I, I've, I've been around a lot of rock stars. I've been around a lot of politicos. And sometimes you come across someone, like when I first finally met Jim Trafficant, you could just tell whatever this guy was back in his prime, I bet you he was a son of a bitch. Because you could just tell this guy didn't put up with anything, man. He was an alpha male. I mean, he if you were to meet Johnny Cash, especially in his prime or even a little bit older, that's what I kind of equate Jim Trafficant as. Because by then he was already 70. He was starting to look a little bit like an old man. But the bottom line is, man, I bet you this guy was one SOB back in the day, man. I bet you he was a fighter. And when I watch some of these videos of him back in the 80s and I just go, wow, he's not someone to mess around with. And, and, and the sad thing is these days is when you see a politician actually giving a speech and actually saying something that's actually right, what's the first thing people want to do, especially over here? Oh, that person for president. We Basically what we're saying is we recognize this guy is stepping out of the mold. He's actually saying something that's right. And he might actually uh, might go rogue. You know, so again, when you look at Hitler's speeches and stuff from the early days in the 20s, you realize this guy was speaking out. And how many beer halls did he have fights in and, and, and steins thrown at him and shit because of the fact that he was actually speaking the truth and he was getting the people riled up because he was right. You know, it's amazing. Yeah, his, his journey is quite incredible. The more I learn about him and, and you know, he didn't, get to power easily it was hard work oh yeah hard work, hard work for, for uh, quite a few years and he also paid quite a uh, price in world war one as a soldier a very heroic soldier uh, by all accounts his uh, fellow soldiers loved him and Hitler was very very brave and he got severely injured he was blinded for a few months there and and he was in hospital when when uh Germany, through traitors, capitulated there at World War One, and it was just the most upsetting thing in the world for him. He couldn't believe all the sacrifices for nothing, and that was completely through traitors. Uh, that 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 happened. Jews, you know, Jews who made that happen, and, and then got blamed for it. Well, the Germans got blamed for World War One. It, it wasn't their fault. And you know, again, the whole reason why Deutschland even got involved was they, they violated the very warning George Washington had here. He said, trade with all, alliances with none. Unfortunately, because they were aligned with Austria-Hungary and all that shit started off there between them and Serbia, it turned into a major conflict and then everybody called in all their bets and boom, you've got a big, huge world war, which never should have happened. And it was Jewish instigated, and I, I can't recount the, the fine details right now, but I know that it was Jewish instigated, as was World War Two, Jewish instigated. And yes, you're right. Yeah, yeah, but it, 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 it was a Jew. It was a Jew that had uh, shot the, the Archduke of Ferdinand, or whatever his name was. There for the the uh, the, 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 the guy who was um, inheriting the throne, you know, the uh, for for Austrian. Right. Yeah, he shot by a member of the Black Hand. Yeah, and and, and they, they they call it then in the propaganda they they twist that and they say it was a Serbian nationalist. No, it was a Jew. It was a Jew who pulled the trigger. It was a Jew who shot him. See, so the Jews—that's how the Jews do it. They know exactly who they need to take out, what they have to do to uh, to get these things uh, going like that. You know, I I think arguably I, I read that FDR had rather one of the most Jewish cabinets of, of all the presidents. 
But I've, I've been, I would actually counter that and say, oh, no, I, I actually think Biden has probably got more Jews in his cabinet than any other. He makes Roosevelt look small time compared to the number of Jews in his cabinet. I mean, Blinken, Blinken's a Jew. I mean, uh, a lot of these guys are all Jewish. I mean, how the hell even uh, Kamala Harris's hubby is a Jew? I always recommend people to, to look at the from Goyim TV, the flyers they put out where they have all the different, uh, you know, like the, the every every aspect of the COVID thing is is Jewish. Every everybody in Trump's uh, team is Jewish. Yes. Everybody in Biden's team is Jewish. Every aspect, of, every aspect of the pornography industry is Jewish. Every aspect of the LGBTQ is, is Jewish. Jewish. Every aspect of basically all the negative influences on our culture and society and on our people. Is oh, let, let's go before that, Monica. The suffragette movement was actually run by the former abolitionists who started here, all Jews. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah. and when you really start counting, and, and, and you try to show that, you know, earlier when you are talking about, uh, you know, people, oh, I've got nothing to hide and all this other stuff. You know, I had this very same conversation with my stepdad once. I remember years ago, I was standing behind him. We had a wingback chair in one of our first houses. And he was reading the newspaper, and I come up behind it, and I was reading an article that was on the paper. And he goes, he's like, you know, I really hate it when somebody reads over my shoulder, you know. And I was just like, oh, really? And, you know, I was like, I'm not bothering you. He's like, yeah, but still, it's just, it's just, it just, it bugs me. I'm like, okay. So after 9-11, we found that they're scanning all our stuff. I said, so I told my stepdad, I said, so, um, um, so you don't mind me reading your newspaper, do you? He's like, well, I've got nothing to hide. My emails is like doesn't matter it's the principle behind it. it even though you could be the most benign citizen in the united states it's the fact that someone is peeking through your files to see what you've got in there but it, yeah but it, it didn't it bothered you when i was looking over your newspaper and i'm a family member but it's okay for the government to do it it's like we had, we had that's a really good story we, we had a debate over the second amendment he's like well i don't think um I, I recognize right to bear arms, but I don't think AR-15s and, and, and automatic weapons should be available to citizenry. I said, oh, oh, oh. So, so you're basically saying that a constitutional right to, to, to bear black powder rifles shall not be infringed. But the government can go and come up with all sorts of new technology to annihilate as many people as possible. So in other words, I'm going to have a muzzle-loading rifle while they have a Gatling gun. That's okay with you? I mean, seriously. Yeah, it, it, it's really great. This, this premise that, oh, I have nothing to hide, so I don't care about the surveillance. This premise is still predicated on a trust that the government is basically for the people, of the people, by the people, like we all learned in school, you know, of democracy. It's, oh, it's wonderful, and all this freedom of speech and freedom of the press and freedom of everything, and government by the people, of the people, for the people, right? This, this shows that the people are still trusting that. Now, we have a very trusting nature. That's something about our race in general, that we have a very trusting nation, or trusting nature, I should say. And that works very well when we are not infiltrated by an enemy. But when we are infiltrated by an enemy, an enemy that, that is a chameleon, you know, dresses like us and pretends to be us, then that is a lethal it can be used as a lethal weapon against us, which is exactly what's going on. That's how people have become so duped and so hypnotized and put under the spell. So trusting. So there was your, was it your dad or your grandpa? Who, my my stepdad, yeah. Your stepdad didn't want you reading over his shoulder. And, right. And now he's, he 
he's okay with this surveillance right. on, on the media and all that. But it's it's like, okay, yeah, he just felt the physical discomfort of you were in his bubble, so to speak. But, but now he thinks this is just all fine, nothing to hide, you know, whatever. But I guess he's still trusting and still thinks that the government is our friend. Whereas what we have discovered through learning the truth about world events and history is that the government is actually the enemy of the people. And the reason that the government is the enemy of the people is because the government, the current governments of all our Western countries anyway, are all Jewish controlled. They are controlled by the Jews. And that's why Hitler, the first thing he did was get Jews out of position of power and forbid them from being in positions of power in the media and government and, you know, these positions of influence and power. So that is the first thing that has to happen is Jews have to be banned from positions of influence and power. And, you know, then if you talk like that amongst people who are still under the spell, they think, oh, oh, that's so, so anti-Semitic or so right. racist. Yeah. How yeah. can you talk like that? Right. Well, you know, we just figure out that there's a reason why they've been kicked out of nation after nation after nation over the centuries and over the thousands of years, really. Well, if you go by the Georgia Guidestones, they've clearly stated what they want to do. They want to have a population yes. less than 500 million and that basically um, they'll have uh, essentially one religion, one language, and, and also the crap. But the bottom line is they want to make us a cappuccino race. So we're just smart enough to do the jobs, but not smart enough to figure out what's going on. And, and I think that to, to kind of close out, uh, Alfred, something you had said before earlier, is I, I remember that famous scene in the movie Scarface with Al Pacino, or he telling the guys like, "It's like, are you a communist?" He's like, "Hey man, are you a communist? You know, it's like we taught what to think, what to feel, you know, what to do. I mean, do, do you really like that?" It's like, it's like, you know, basically, man, I'll never eat octopus ever again. You know, it's like, it's just like being told what to do. I mean, the guy was completely, you know, he, even if as much of as a ruffian in his own country, the bottom line is, is that he was completely oppressed by their government. And, and, and something you have to respect, someone like Adolf Hitler, is that when you talk about how much hard work it took to, to get to that position, you have to respect the fact that it's like any other contest, whether it's a baseball match, whatever, to get to the, to, to the top, to be the number one champion, how much work it took going through all those contests to get to that point to be the leader of a nation, regardless if it's even Stalin. He had to fight off Trotsky to become the premier of the, the, the Soviet Union. But the bottom line is, you still have to respect the fact how, what it took to get to that top position. Whether you're, you're a bad guy, good guy, whatever, how many things you had to do, how many atrocities in some cases, or how much shit you had to go through to become that top person to be the leader of that nation. And so you have to give at least that regard. And then you have to compare how the, I mean, Macron obviously is a stooge. But when you compare him to Trump, just the body language alone, that these are two totally different men. And that's another thing too, Monica. I heard stories that apparently Macron and Trudeau are bosom buddies. Have you heard about this story? Uh, sorry, no. Well, I'm not surprised. I'm not surprised that they, they would have been. They're lovers. Yeah, apparently I'm, there's pictures. No, there's pictures. It, it is now. It is now official that Sophie. Gregoire Trudeau is leaving. It, it's been a long time in coming because she has been 
physically separated from her husband for quite some time, but now it's actually official. I don't know if you've heard that, but boy, this is quite interesting. What you're yeah, I just saw about. some pictures. Apparently, they got pictures. They even got them bumping heads together, looking like, oh, yeah, they've had some time, uh, you know, apparently uh, Macron's old yeah, teen, uh, a teacher wife is not good enough for him. Speaking of good memes, I got lots of good memes on our side. I saw, saw when we're saying, oh, I, I guess so. Sophie won finally. Oh no, Trudeau himself, Justin Trudeau, is saying, "Oh, I guess Sophie wants to be with a man now." <laughs> yeah, real man. Yeah. Plus, a, a real man. plus, Trudeau is actually the love child of Fidel Castro, so there's a very good possibility of that as yeah. well. Yeah. yeah. So, so many of those people who were raised up to be half gods for us were just the most vile pieces of shit. Imaginable. Yes. Like the Dal Dalai Lama. Or Nelson Mandela, or all these people—they were just. Well, why do you why do you think Malcolm X was taken out? Because he realized that Elijah Muhammad was a complete fraud, and so he went to go start his 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 uh, his own religious uh, sect. That that's why he took him out because they know he would be very successful because he was very uh, well spoken. Like I said, I have a lot of respect for Malcolm X because he was the real deal. If he was truly a black nationalist. Malcolm X was, was a perfect example as opposed to Martin Luther King, you know? Yeah. yeah. Hey, um, Sonny, this has been a great discussion, um, and I've really enjoyed it. I've got to get going. I've got some things to do out, outside here. Um, I wonder if, well, I know I, I have to um, leave the conversation soon, but um, it's been just fantastic. Thanks so much for, for having us on. Always a pleasure, Monica. And again, if you ever want to come on to host the show yourself, just let me know and I'll give you the microphone. Thank you. Same with you, Alfred. Uh, the, the microphone is always available for you, brother. That if you want to uh, be able to have a, uh, an outlet to get your opinions out there, anytime, anywhere, I will make it available for you. Well, th thanks for having us on. And I'll, I'll see if, I can, if I'm going to be locked up in a cage in the very near future or not. That's the big thing that's hanging over my head right now. Right. And, and the last two things I want to say to you is, one is, um, if Monica hasn't connected you yet with uh, uh, a very distinctive gentleman named Harold Zeger, he should definitely yeah. uh, get to talk with you because I think you guys have some very good conversations. That's for sure. Yeah. No, he's, he's uh, interesting. Alfred, I don't know if you know who he is, but he's written a book called... Um, Freedom's Nightmare. Well, what's the Freedom's nightmare. He he escaped from Eastern Germany and then came to the West, where he realized, oh gee, <laughs> it's communist out here too. <laughs> yes, yeah. So he's he's quite articulate. He's he's done some good interviews, and we have actually spoken at some point, not on an in. Well, yeah, we were on an interview with you together with Dennis Wise, I do believe. Yes, we? that's why I said the crowds the round table. <laughs> yeah, the the nice round table there. But anyway, um, so Alfred. Enjoy every day, you know, in the sunshine and, and do your, your yeah. work outside and whatnot, because then yes. in the cage, I guess, you get less time outside. Yes. But, um, just enjoy your fresh air. <laughs> Did you, didn't you say you were actually incarcerated and at the very same prison as, as the Fuhrer? Yes, yes, that was the greatest honor to be, to be stuck in the same prison. And yeah, yeah, yeah. Them, because Adolf yeah. Hitler spent time in Stadelheim, too, um, earlier, right, Alfred? And then later he was in Landsberg, and that's where he wrote his, his great book. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that's, uh, that was the greatest honor. That, uh, that, that was a great honor for me, yes. Uh, how, how high is your dog jump? <laughs> 
Yeah, there you go. Ah, that's fucking phenomenal. That's great. So, okay, in, in closing, Alfred, um, what do you want the world to know from your perspective, my friend? Because I, I like to um, make you sure you go out on a positive point. And uh, if, if you have a, a battle cry or at least a rallying cry for us, uh, rest of us um, dupes out here yeah. to wake up and, and really look at realize Ursa Haverbeck should should be a major uh uh, stoic figure of what's happening to her as well as what's happening to you. So what do you want to say to the world, my friend? I just say that the truth cannot be stopped and the people are now just thirsting eh, to hear the truth and people are getting ever more uh, coherent in presenting the truth. So this is this is the golden opportunity that people who didn't have a, a, a mission in life to get on board and just start learning and propagating the truth because together we can easily lick this thing. We can easily reclaim our civilization and that's what we're going to do. Well, just like the intro that I have in the beginning of my show, we talk about uh, whites have every right to uh, exist, to marry white and to um, stand up for white uh, values and to have white children and to teach them to be pro-white, that we need to realize that that message needs to be uh, uh, refined because of the fact that we are self-genociding ourselves by not replicating and, and allowing the people to tell us that, oh, you shouldn't have more than two kids. Screw you, man. I, I mean, I just read Sir Arthur Guinness, the guy that actually created Guinness beer, okay, had 10 children, 10 children. Yeah. That should be praised, not lambasted. Yeah, that's great. Very good. Yeah. Well, his wife had 10 children. <laughs> He he wasn't one. Well, he wasn't man with a baby. You know what I mean? You know. He's not a birthing person, as they put it these days. So, so it's like, what are you trying to say, lad? If I drink a lot of Guinness, I'll have a lot of little ones. I must be lucky. Anyway, I'll just say for my last word too. Like Alfred and I were talking about earlier, engage the system. Any opportunity you have, and I also observe that. People are hungry for the truth, and they are also grateful for it. I recently went on a bit of a speaking tour in Alberta, and, and I'm telling you, the people were so hungry for the truth about, you know, what I was talking to them about, you know, the hollow hoax and whatnot, when these people had woken up in the last three years about COVID, but they hadn't yet connected all the dots. This is the time, folks, to connect the dots for, for people. So to the listeners, um yeah, don't be discouraged. This is the time when you can help to connect dots for people who have just started to wake up about, you know, one aspect of what's going on. You can connect all the dots with, you know, the lies we've been taught about our history and whatnot. So, yeah, this is good. People are hungry and grateful for learning the truth. This is a, a, a very exciting time to be alive. And, uh, yeah, on websites, I've got uh, two that are kind of, um, yeah, I'm not super active on them, but there they are. There's freespeechmonica.com, that's spelled with a K, Monica, and there's a political prisoner page there, so if somebody wants to, uh, like, if Alfred does get picked up, I'll put his address there right away, um, and there's some other political prisoner addresses there, and there's some other articles and stuff there, and then there's the truthandjusticefordgermans.com Yes, I've uh, seen that. Website. Yeah, truthandjusticefordgermans.com. That's all one word. And yeah, thanks again, Sonny. Nice 
to talk to you, and uh, I'll I'll sign out on on that note. Like I said, if we allow the atrocities to, to happen to the German people in World War II, then uh, that sets a precedent that it, they'll do that to anybody. Okay. You're, you're absolutely right. Because we, we've, we've sanctioned that to be acceptable. That means that, that nothing is off the table. And we, I think that's the – I did ask Dennis Wise, when you really – when you extrapolate what's the biggest reason why Hitler was hated and, and why he had to be destroyed – was I asked him? I said, uh, "What it comes down to? What is the one thing that really uh, it, it signaled the demise of the National Socialists? Is because they abolished usury. Usury is the main mechanism for Jewish bankers. And if you basically take their ability to do their job, because look at them, they can't they can't grow they can't be farmers. You could give them a tomato plant and it'll die. Okay, that's why even reading the Bible, they're shepherds. They're not farmers. They're shepherds. So they cannot." do anything themselves that's why anything that someone creates they have to steal it from them because the so, fact that Sonny, uh yeah hitler he separated himself and germany from the jewish money system the usury usurious system well and what did jesus christ do he kicked the pharisees the bankers the money changers the money lenders out of the temple yep. so there you go and and you know it, and if you guys can actually find them because I've had actually a hard time. It's very difficult to find any literature on specifically what the uh, the new uh, Deutsche Marks were under the National Socialism because it was a labor-based currency, not gold-backed. But it's very right. difficult to find literature on exactly how the monetary system worked because they don't want you to know so you can't be replicated. Yeah. Okay, you know what? We're getting into a whole another another discussion, and we could probably go on for hours. But <laughs> Definitely, <laughs> I should run. Yeah, yeah we have to go. Yeah. Definitely. All right. Well, thank you very much for coming back, on, Monica. It's very nice to finally meet you, Alfred. Like I said, I got to chat got to chat with you in a whole another uh, conversation a number of years back. I'm glad you're free for uh, the moment, my friend, and hopefully yeah. uh, you can avoid this crap again. But uh, obviously, I don't think you're going to have any issues, man. I think the guys there. Are, are going to look out for you because, in fact, they know that Schaefer is right. Schaefer is right. I, as soon as you said that, I could see that. I could see the hashtag in my head. Schaefer was right. <laughs> hey, actually, I'm not worried at all. So it's it's very exciting. I'm looking forward to whatever's coming my way, and uh, I think we all have something to look forward to because the truth is now bursting out into the open. Okay. Indeed. All right. Thank you very much for coming on. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you. Yeah. Okay. Bye now. Good day. Bye-bye. Okay, that was Monica and Alfred Schaefer. Again, they're brother and sister. Uh, Monica lives in Canada, and Alfred lives in Deutschland. So, again, um, excellent, excellent uh, talking points there. I think we covered a lot of ground. And more importantly is the fact that um, Alfred is a, is a political prisoner. Just same with Ursula Haverbeck. So, definitely something to look into because, of fact, um, it needs to be addressed um, with what's all going on there, um, as well. So again, it's going to be, uh, very interesting to see how that, um, goes on and, uh, what, what's going to come out of that. But again, if, if they will allow that to happen, then nothing is off the table. They will absolutely, um, become a major issue for everyone 
because one, it's just like Martin Niemöller said, one, they, he didn't stand up for this, he didn't stand up for that, blah 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 blah. The next thing you know, um, that's what it uh, boils down to. Okay, so uh, that's in this episode of the St. Thomas Show. Again, uh, we really appreciate your tuning in, listening to this, and that we've had a lot of listeners from uh, uh, Russia tune in. We actually have our 10.8% of our listening base is from Russia. And so thank you very much for whoever's tuning in. Uh, but we're, we're starting to get a lot of listenership from Deutschland as well. So obviously some of the stuff that we're doing here is resonating, and not just on my show, but also the Resolution Radio Network as a whole. So we very much appreciate. Now, we could definitely use your financial assistance, any type of assistance. I don't care if it's $1, $5, $100. It all goes plowed back into the operation because, in fact, we have to upgrade our computers and make sure things are there and also um, trying to create some interesting merchandise for people to show, hey, I listen to Resolution Radio. The Blood Tea was a huge success. I was very surprised at how fast the shirts went and how well they were uh, received. So... Even having some uh, major individuals as Andreas Johansson uh, showing us wearing, you know, the blood, uh, nothing matters more than blood uh, T-shirt there in Sweden. So, again, it was very much a great honor to uh, have him model that for us as well as other things. So, again, I even sent him uh, a custom cup I had made with the uh, Nordic Frontier, I'm sorry, the Nordic Resistance Movement uh Tear rune flag on it just as something that put on his, his bookshelf so that was very cool uh, as well so again just show hey man we acknowledge what you're doing and we think you're definitely one of the great ones so we really appreciate Andreas Johansson plus the fact he's featured my voiceover many times on Nordic Frontier so thank you very much Andreas so again um, listen to what Alfred and Monica are both saying because the fact that they've seen it firsthand that uh, these hate speech laws are really starting to come out and we just start saying no this shit's not going to happen especially not in America, where free speech is supposed to be enshrined, not only in our Constitution, but just in our day-to-day happenings of who we are as a people. So we definitely need to um, stand up and say, no, not on our watch. So that definitely needs to be addressed. All right. Thank you for everybody tuning in. Uh, check out our show next week. Again, check out some of our other programs we feature here on the Resolution Radio Network. Most recently, we've added Firearm Trainers Podcast featuring Rob Beckman. He has some uh, very excellent commentary as well as some good guests on a myriad of gun-related topics as well as other things, too. There's one such as uh, chargebacks, uh, the issue with chargebacks on uh, credit debit cards, how they can affect small business, and as well as, obviously, the uh, gun trainer or even gun stores. So again, a lot of good topics on there to check out. So that's a new podcast we've added to things on Sundays. And we're also going to be adding to Keep uh, Keeping Bear, which is a program featured through the Buckeye Firearm Association. So we're going to be adding that program as well on Sundays. So Sunday will be our 2A day uh, for sure. All right. So watch your ma, and we'll, we will catch you next time. Scout.
This is our crime This is our sin But I still believe I still believe Through the pain And through the grief Through the lies Through the storms Through the cries And through the wars
You're listening to Resolution Radio, Radio, Radio. ResolutionRDO.com Hi, this is Ron Paul. I am a former congressman, physician, and presidential candidate. The world is in turmoil. Things like Ebola, earthquakes, wars, and famines are commonplace. As Americans, we are largely sheltered from these events. However, in parts of the world, just having enough food is a huge problem. For some of us, there is the nagging thought that we may not always have it so good. So we keep some food on hand just in case. My family and I have found a product that helps us do this better. It's a home freeze dryer from Harvest Right. With it, we eat healthier and store a little more food. We freeze dry everything we love to eat, and it lasts up to 25 years. Who knows what the future will bring? One thing's certain, my family and I will always have food on the table. To learn more, go to HarvestRight.com or call 800-763-5999. That's HarvestRight.com or 800-763-5999. The Occidental Quarterly fills a unique niche in bringing together scholarly articles on a wide range of topics that are mired in political correctness elsewhere. It is edited by Professor Kevin McDonald, who's no stranger to listeners of the political cesspool. There are quite a few reasons for the precarious state of our civilization and our people. But one of the main ones is that we have lost the intellectual and moral high ground to a cultural elite that is hostile to our people and our culture. Those of us who are politically aware must understand that the elites dominating culture and the political process in the West are intellectually and morally bankrupt. TOQ is the key. Digital download subscriptions are only $30 a year. Subscriptions by first-class mail are only $60 a year. Go to toqonline.com and click on subscribe now. In addition to receiving fascinating and informative articles, you will also be supporting the work of scholars who are part of a community defending our people and our culture with the highest level of integrity and intellectual sophistication. That's toqonline.com. Subscribe now. We fought. We learned. We struggled. We won. Despite Obama's best efforts, the newspaper of the human resistance survives. We have lived only to face a new nightmare, the war against the machines. Read about our struggle in The Sovereign, newspaper of the resistance. The Sovereign is a 24-page monthly tabloid newspaper about the war between man and machines. We've tried reason, we've tried legislation. We've tried every peaceful means imaginable, and all it's gotten us is shut out. So now we fight the machines. Order online today at thesovnews.com or find The Sovereign at select newsstands. Remember to read The Sovereign, newspaper of the resistance. The human resistance's battle against the machines will be everlasting. This is mercy. It was never our destiny to stop the age of Obama. It was merely to survive it. Together. Together. Are you a native son or daughter of the South who pleads the stars and bars? Someone not born in Dixieland, but who is a Johnny Reb at heart and looking for a place to shop that promotes Southern heritage? Well, your search is over. Dixie Republic is the place to go for all things celebrating the Confederacy and promoting Southern pride. Inside the log cabin, just outside Traveler's Rest, South Carolina, Dixie Republic has t-shirts, hats, videos, flags, books, belt buckles, and some of the best mouth-watering barbecue sauce that will ever touch your lips. There's just about everything you want honoring the South at Dixie Republic. Well, you say that South Carolina is a bit too far for you to drive? Have no fear, my friend. 
All of this is just a mouse click away. Go online at www.dixierepublic.com. Your home for all things celebrating the Confederacy and promoting Southern pride.